Trudeau's crackdown has begun. The Freedom Convoy is being cleared out. Members of the press are being arrested. A live streamer while streaming was arrested, clearly not doing anything wrong. This is it's obvious at this point is an abuse of power. They were supposed to be debating the Emergency Act powers that Trudeau was going to be using, and they shut it down because apparently Trudeau decided I'm going to use them anyway. Now there's video coming out, reports that a woman was trampled by a horse, members of the media being arrested. It's just, it's gone a little too far. But I do think y'all should be optimistic here because it shows the protests worked, they're working. And I don't think it ends here. In the United States, we're hearing there's going to be a convoy leaving from Barstow, California, heading to Washington, D.C. And the D.C. police are rescinding leave for officers because they were preparing for this. So let's 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 get into all that. We'll talk about what's going on. But we also have a lot of cultural stories to talk about, things about, you know, wokeness in, in, in movies and video games. We'll talk about Brian Cranston saying he's having like a woke awakening or some ridiculous nonsense. And... Um, we're being joined by a refugee out of Hollywood who's now working with The Daily Wire. So this should be a really great conversation. We have Dallas Sanye. How's it going, man? Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Put your mic up a little bit. Sorry. I'm a, uh, I'm a movie producer uh, who is making all the Daily Wire movies now. Uh, I spent 16 years in Los Angeles. I'm best known for uh, Bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell, Brawl in Cell Block 99 with Vince Vaughn, uh, Dragged Across Concrete with Mel Gibson. Wow. And then I made uh, a movie called Run, Hide, Fight. Mm. And even though it got a standing ovation in the Venice Film Festival, uh, no one would buy it, right? Wow. All of the executives at all of the distributors that I've worked with and made a lot of money for in the past, they've got kids in public schools. They've got mortgages. They didn't want to take the heat internally. So they passed on the movie, and I was saying, what am I going to do? But I'd had a coffee with Ben Shapiro the year before. I called him up, and... The rest is history. Wow. And now you've got uh, Shut-In as well. Yep. And there's uh, Terror on the Prairie, I think yep. is what it's called. We had That's Nick right. Cersei on recently. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is fantastic stuff because, you know, with, with the, the, the escalation in the cultural conflict, building infrastructure is extremely important, but building culture is is probably more important. So Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. what, what The Daily Wire has been doing with picking up these movies and, and producing more is, is brilliant. And we'll get into all that stuff. So thanks for joining us. We're also being joined by Brett Dasovic of Pop Culture Crisis. Yes, uh, that is true. Uh, I'm a refugee of my own sort uh, out here, uh, coming out here to work. Uh, What's weird about this to me is like, uh, I don't think I ever imagined coming on here, like (laughs) uh, doing the show, like doing, it feels like uh, I I was telling Miracle earlier, it's like, kind of feels like I've elevated to the big leagues from the upstairs studio (laughs) to the downstairs studio. Uh, and we cover a lot of these topics. Uh, we try to keep it as uh, open in perspective as possible, but we're going to get into a lot of that tonight. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that aren't familiar, we've, we launched a couple other shows at TimCast.com, one of which is Pop Culture Crisis, and Brett is the host. Yep. So, you know, this basically happened because I think we were driving back from a movie, and then Brett was talking the whole time. I'm like, man, this guy knows everything about <laughs> he this He knows stuff. all about movies. He was naming yeah. directors and producers and, like, he was, you know, and uh, production assistants, just, like, <laughs> knew the credits. And I was like, Brett, you want to do a show talking about this stuff? And he said yes. I literally thought he was like, God, he's never going to shut up. Just, <laughs> if we just give him a show, if we just give him a show, like, he'll just leave us alone and we can drive home in peace. Just, It'll just be perfect. Send him upstairs yeah. to talk about this stuff on <laughs> camera. We'll exactly. make money off of it. Brett's also uh, an incredible skater. You can check out his stuff oh on Instagram, yeah. Brett Dasovic. I'm, I'm really glad you're here, man, because uh, I've been thinking a lot about mimetic warfare and fifth generational <laughs> warfare. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's happening is that the message has become the communication. It's less about the ideas and more about the way we're communicating. And I think acting is a super important way to communicate 
and to get people on your side, basically. This, this, this sure. is a, it's a good point as to why culture is so relevant because uh, we were talking about this the other day with Stephen Marsh and, and, and Civil War stuff, but mimetic warfare, propaganda, information, and culture building. You got to have content. You got to have uh, um, TV shows, movies, video games, all that stuff outside of the infrastructure to support it. Yeah, variety. So, be able to be adaptable. You know, you, you're, the way you communicate should be adaptable. And I think as an act, being an actor can help show people that you you are adaptable. Yeah, so we'll, we'll yeah we'll get into all that stuff. We got Lydia as well. I'm here as well. I'm so excited to have Dallas this evening, and I'm really excited to have Brett. I think that what the Daily Wire is doing with movies is so important. I think it's pivotal to have movies that are interesting to people, and I love the idea of having this analysis of the culture going on as well, which I love what Pop Culture Crisis is doing. So I'm excited for this evening. It's going to be fun. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member. And I will also also just briefly mention someone chatted. Is that an abacus in front of Ian? Yes, it is. <laughs> it certainly right. is. Go to yeah. TimCast.com. Be a member. Help support the work we're doing. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive episodes of this show that are just for members only. But also, you're making sure the people who report here, the people who uh, work here, have jobs. We've got on-the-ground reporters. We've got field reporters. We are planning out sending someone to embed I, sh- I say in bed, but, you know, drive along the U.S. convoy and track what's happening as they make their way across the United States. We are in the preliminary discussions about doing that, but it's all possible because you guys sign up as members. So don't even think about it as, you know, for, for those of you that just want to sign up to get the members only stuff, by all means, do that. For everybody else, think of it as a pay what you will. If you if you like the work we do, if you like the articles, if you like the show, just being a member makes sure we can keep doing it and it is greatly appreciated. So don't forget. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel right now on YouTube. Share the show with your friends. Let's get started talking about the big news out of Ottawa. What's happening with this with this crackdown? Daily Mail reports Trudeau's trucker crackdown begins. Hundreds of cops backed by armored vehicles and horses arrest at least 100 Freedom Convoy protesters in Ottawa and tow 21 big rigs using Emergencies Act power. So we got a bunch of photos out of here. Mounted officers showing up, people screaming. You've got plain, uh, you've got regular, you know, looks. I don't know if these are like community officers or what. They're not wearing armor or anything like that. But here you've got what appear to be some kind of riot control armed with tear gas, gas masks. Look at this guy. Look, I've seen this stuff throughout my time. I've seen it at violent riots. I've seen it at, well, mostly violent riots. Mm. Typically, when I see peaceful protesters, you might see stuff like this, but you don't see this, the severity. I've certainly seen police brutality at peaceful protests, especially from the left. Don't get me wrong, but this seems to be absolutely overplayed and extreme for a bunch of, you know, middle-aged truckers and families with their kids and dogs and a, bount- and, and a bouncy castle. I understand people are like, well, sometimes there's, there's confrontations. Yeah, yeah, come on. It's a peaceful occupation in a city. They should be coming in with like 10 officers peacefully saying, look, guys, you know, you broke the law. We're going to take you in, slap on the wrist. Instead, it is Trudeau fascism crackdown, freezing people's assets, trampling people with horses. Dark days indeed, huh? Is this the group that had the bouncy house outside the... Yes, uh, very scary. Yes, Nothing scarier than a bunch of middle-aged truckers with a bouncy house for their right. kids. Uh, that is what I w- live in fear of waking you think, up. To. You think you're joking. <laughs> but no, seriously, they don't know how to respond to it. Mm. When When you get a violent riot... The state says, oh, thank heavens, because they know that they're going to earn public support for shutting down riots, even when they barely do it. Mm. But when you got little kids in a bouncy house, they're like, whatever we do, it's going to look really, really bad. How do we handle this? They do get scared of that stuff. I suppose it's kind of like in the past when they would have kids at the front lines of the protests or the riots, right, to uh, to prevent police action, right? It's uh, The left does it all the time. It's an yeah. optics thing. Yep. 
Yeah, they're even threatening to go after journalists. This is like uh, uh, um, how a monarchy doesn't know how to respond to a peaceful protest. They talk about Canada's all about, and I'm not saying Canada's the monarchy, but the queen could stop this if she wanted. They talk about like peace. We need calmness and peace, you guys. And then when stuff like this breaks out, they don't know what to do because it's this fake, you know, this platitude of kindness and peace, you guys. And it's this fascist militant you know, quasi-democracy. So now we're seeing the true colors of how... In America, we fight each other for fun. That's wh- And so we don't get to this point because we know how to deal with protest. It's like this country is a protest. It's something you told me. It's a great way to look at uh, our species, the way it functions, the way the importance of resistance. This is bothering me. Yeah. Dark days indeed. Mm. Now I wonder what'll happen in the U.S. because uh, uh, you know DC police are saying they're gonna uh, they're they're pulling leave because they're worried about this as well. I can't say I'm surprised about Canada though. Uh, for those that didn't get the episode yesterday, we had uh, a Canadian guy, Stephen Marshawn. He wrote a book about civil war, and I think his perspective is really interesting. I think I, I disagree with him to a great deal, but he was basically saying in the United States, there's two countries: a multicultural democracy and a constitutional republic. And I was like, wow, that's that's a that's an excellent way to to point out what's happening, and of course the United States is and always has been a constitutional republic. Therefore, the multicultural democracy he speaks of is supplanting our our culture, our our country, our society, and that's very much what Canada is. Canada has been for a long time. He mentioned how you know Canada is very unstable, and he was surprised the U.S. was destabilizing. And I'm like, the U.S. has been stable because we are a constitutional republic. It's a safeguard to make sure there's you know. From from the smallest jurisdiction on up, people have representation. Yeah. You don't. It doesn't seem like you get that with Canada. It seems like they just don't care about you. You're a cog in their machine. Mm. If you watch Canadian Parliament, that was that was the feeling I got. It's it's like a clown show. Like it's dudes wearing a big white puffy outfit, and you're like, what in the hell? And then they start they heckle each other. Like how can you get any? It's the weirdest ancient practice tradition or whatever the hell. But it is not like stable. Well, I, I, I was, uh, doxxed this week as a contributor to the Freedom Convoy Give, Send, Go. Uh, oh, congratulations. Yeah. I was actually quite proud of it. It was a, it was a positive experience. I was so proud. Uh, but I've, I've been team convoy since day one on this and it, it means so much to so many of us. I look at Australia. I look at Canada. I look at even Italy, my favorite country to visit. And I don't even recognize these places. And it makes me so proud to be an American in a red state. I live in Texas, work in Tennessee, vacation in Florida. Mm. My last two years have been basically okay outside of all the nonsense. But, but you were, uh, you were in California, you were in California for, fi- for 15 years. Now back then, would you have dared speak up in support of this? I, I would have, but, uh, I knew the tide was turning so heavily that in 2014 I left. I took oh, my whole family wow. and went back to Texas. Oh, so you got out early. Oh, I saw it all coming. I couldn't have told you what was coming, but I felt it coming. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I was living in New York and I kept slowly moving away because it just seemed to be getting worse and worse until we end up in West Virginia or, you know, this whole area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to be in a big city. And then you look at what happens with the lockdowns. So we were actually, we moved to, the, to South Jersey. And then when they did the hard lockdown, I was like, we got to get out of here. Like, I'm not going to sit around and wait to find out how bad it does get. And it, and it, and it got bad. We had the, we had those riots back in 2020, the riots crossed the bridge from Philly into South Jersey. And I was just like, yo, I'm done with that. I'm getting out. We're going to the middle of nowhere. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to build our own space. Not to mention, I'll be, I'll be completely honest, way cheaper out here for land. Mm, so right. expanding the business, there's way more opportunity. But I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity in pushing back from a lot of the stuff by rejecting it. Mm. When, when we see this going down in Canada, 
My, I, I have one thing to, to say to all of this. Confidence in the system is being broken. If if you can't even uh, – I'm, I'm, I, look, I can't speak for Canada. I don't know what Canada does. But uh, for us down here, we see what's happening with the vaccine mandates. They're kind of being shattered or you know how bad it's been. Talk about multicultural democracy or whatever. But when you cannot get a redress of grievances, you're, you're looking at a hard fall for your, for your society. When you look at the dysfunction in Congress, when you look at the fact that it's being run by people like Nancy Pelosi, I'm just like, that is shattering. I'm going to I'm going to go and start setting up something somewhere else to get away from this because to put it simply, confidence in the system be it Canada, be it the UK, be it the EU, be it the United States, it's fracturing. And so it's time to make sure like you are shoring up our defenses, we're building something substantive on our own that we control that's that's going to be isolated from this otherwise it shatters along with it. I hope that the uh, freedom convoy thing, if nothing else, I really hope that it shatters people's normalcy bias, this understanding, this thinking that it can't happen here. Because trust me, I I never thought I would see something like this in Canada. Canada is the nicest place in the world. They never do anything crazy or edgy. This is wild to me. What, Like literally watching them tonight, the videos going around Twitter of the mounted police um, just literally walking over people. I want to give a, a good shout out to... My conservative friends, oh. who uh, uh, specifically, not all, I'm not saying all conservatives, the ones who defended Ron DeSantis and Florida passing the, the, the anti-riot uh, bill that would make it a felony to block roads. I said, no, you, you don't <laughs> want to do that because we want to tolerate some degree of unrest. Because now we see what happens in Canada and we're going to be seeing what happens with the D.C. protest with this with this convoy. I think we should respect people who want to peacefully obstruct. It's annoying, but we tolerate a certain give to the system. You need that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if it's too brittle, it shatters. But I also want to shout out a lot of these conservatives. um, Ezra Levant, I think it was, had a great tweet where he said he used to be back the blue. He would always give the cops the benefit of the doubt. Now he's seeing what they're doing to to trampling old women and and in front of children. And I'm like, I got to tell you, man, there are a lot of moderate. There are a lot of there are a lot of liberals who have been saying exactly this for some time. Now, I get it. When you get Black Lives Matter and often lying, lying in it to incite violence, the Michael Brown stuff was a lie. The Trayvon Martin stuff was a lie. Ahmed Arbery stuff was a lie. George Floyd stuff was a lie. I get it. You're like, I'm not going to believe these people. And I totally agree. I'm not going to believe them either. But I'll tell you this. When I was in Ferguson, I saw police just lob a flashbang into a crowd of people unprovoked. Mm. I've seen, And there's videos of things like this. This stuff happens. So there's a certain degree that I'm willing to tolerate because I think policing is an important institution. But you get to the point where they're not stopping the riots in these big cities. The big cities vote for this. They, 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 they're the ones rioting. They're the ones supporting these mayors and these Democrats and these appointees. They're the ones cheering on the police, defending the illegal seizure of funds to paint political message in the street. And I'm just like, why would I defend any of these cops from the rioters when they're a part of that same system? Then you see other cops come in and shut down small businesses over COVID lockdown. And I'm just like, okay, that's it. I'm out. Look, duly elected law enforcement seems to do a really great job, sheriffs. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, we have a great relationship with our cops out here. But these big city cops are basically part of that multicultural democracy establishment Democrat machine. They can they can live however they want to live. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna intervene when they try to defund those departments. Or now in Austin, where they they're arrest they're indicting 19 officers an aggravated assault. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to live in Austin. Y'all voted for that. Congratulations, officers. You get it. I understand the isolation mentality. Um, I was thinking about this a lot too, because if, if we really hit like a bad place of civil war or like where all the power went out, you'd get roving bands of militants that are like really good at what they do. It's called, uh, 
uh, I don't know what you call it, but not imbalanced war. What do they call it? Where like one side is way better than the other side. Asymmetrical war. Asymmetrical war. You'll get people, they'll go from house to house and raid every house. There'll be like 12 guys with machine guns or, or semi-autos raiding house by house to get all the valuables. And like everyone, these Americans are like, I got my guns. I'm safe. I'm going to stay here in my house, but you're a sitting target. These people know how to conquer and control and there will be so, I understand the, the desire to isolate, but those kind of things will come for you if you try and isolate. You have, it, it is good to be out in, in the country and have space, but isolation is not the answer. You need to be involved consciously with your fellow man. That's what we do movies and TV and music and internet video and things like that. You're, you're, you're right. I agree. What, 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 what I would uh, say, I don't think the goal should be to try and infiltrate their systems. You know, for a long time, um, moderates, left libertarian, like left, left liberal libertarian types have been complaining about movies and video games getting woke and doing all this other stuff because they genuinely believed they were in the same system with these people. When I say to you, I don't like your video game because you did these things, it is because I believe genuinely we're working together as one society on a product. I think people need to realize they're not treating you that way and they don't care what you think and they're going to do whatever they want. In which case, you, you don't want to isolate yourself. You want to make something better on your own and attract the people who are disillusioned by them to come and join you as one civilization, as one society. That's exactly right. And I and I spent enough time in Hollywood to understand that. And that's something I feel very passionately about. A year ago when I went on Ben's Sunday special, I talked about parallel economies. And, oh, yeah. And this is so important to me because a parallel Hollywood – is, in my opinion, the only answer, mm. right? There are not uh, uh, ways for me to get the movies that I want to make, politics aside, in traditional Hollywood right now. They're not supported. In fact, they're discouraged or even disallowed. And so I had to go and try to create a parallel economy where I wasn't going to get attacked. I wasn't going to get, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be tolerated. I was going to be celebrated. And, you know, we're just getting started, but it's game on right now. Well, so uh, the, the first movie, you you actually made uh, Run, was it Run, Hide, Fight? Run, Hide, Fight. But you didn't make that with Daily Wire. Correct. They bought it. Yes. So this is a movie that uh, you, you produced. Yes. And it's about uh, a young woman and there's a school shooting. So this, I, I'm, I'm surprised you even got that made in the current environment to be bought by Daily Wire. Like, how does that happen? Our company paid for the movie itself, ourselves. Wow. So we, we have investors and they, uh, you know, bet on me. And so what happened was we made the movie. We got, you know, great cast, Thomas Jane, Rada Mitchell, uh, Isabel May, who's Tom now the Jane. star of 1883, the uh, uh, Yellowstone prequel. And we went and made the movie by ourselves, mm. totally independently. And right as I, uh, after I made it, I was in Los Angeles and I had a coffee with Ben Shapiro and I said, I would talk to him about the movie and he was very excited about it. And I, at the end of the coffee, I said, let's make movies together. He said, really? He's, I said, yeah, let's do it. He said, well, okay, well, we can help you in the background, you know, but if you put our name on it, you're going to get killed. I said, are you crazy? I'm going to put your name all over it, you know? <laughs> I actually want to ask a question about that. Yeah. So you, the Run, Hide, Fight was produced uh, beforehand, yes. and then they bought it. So then did they have to do press tours for this with the actors? And were the actors hesitant about being involved with the yeah. Daily Wire? So, like you said, Ben mentioned before, and he's like, you got, you, we, he, even before he asked, said, we'll do it in the background, because he just assumes he that they're not going to want to be, inv- that you're not going to want their name involved. Certainly. Ta- uh, uh, 
we had we had gotten the movie into Venice, which is uh, next to Cannes and Sundance, the most prestigious yeah. film festival in the world. And we got a standing ovation and all that kind of stuff. But when we walked out, our text messages from our publicists started coming in. F, you know, zero out of 10. <laughs> How dare you, right? Personal politics, right? All these things. And so I knew we were in big trouble. Yeah. So uh, by going with Ben, the movie found its best – by going with Daily Wire, the movie found its best home. Mm. That also meant that some of the actors couldn't – I couldn't ask them – to support the movie publicly beyond their comfort zone. And some of the, some of the actors supported the movie. Some of the actors supported the movie uh, sort of privately quietly. and quietly. And others just sort of tuned out. Um, they're all be- becoming big stars right now. And they all kind of love it, right? They all kind of – because they knew they were in Venice, when we all saw a great movie you, and you, then standing ovation, you said standing ovation. Wow. The fact that they have to worry about it at all is the most disturbing part of all of they, it. No, no, Brett, they don't have to worry about it. They don't. If they don't. Yes. If they, if they were, if they had the, uh, you're, 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 you're both right. Yep. They, they, they do have to worry about it, but they don't have to. They, right. they, they shouldn't. I'm making, right? I'm, I'm saying that as a point. Obviously yeah. they, they worry for their careers. I'm saying they shouldn't for sure. They, 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 they don't have to if they choose not to. These are not, by any stretch of the imagination, impoverished people. Now, that's right. It's hard to ask somebody to slash your income by a, by a large percentages. Yeah. I mean, look, I get it. Um, I don't, I, you know, for a movie like Shut In, I don't know, I don't know if these yeah. people are like a lister celebrities with worth millions of dollars, but they get paid probably substantially better than say, you know, a tradesman or someone working at Starbucks. I'd imagine they do. We we even on Shut In where we had the whole cast in advance understanding who we were making the movie with. I mean, we all went to dinner before the movie started shooting. There was still an element of right before the movie started coming out and press time was on upon us. People started to get hesitant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. uh, in, in one case, uh, a publicist told one of the actors involved in one of our movies uh, that we were QAnon, right? That, that, <laughs> wow. And, 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 and 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 that we and that she would have been canceled, you know, this actress would have been canceled right away. Now, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. Our opinion is you suffer through seventy-two hours of bad tweets, and then the world moves on, right? Yeah, and, and you made the best movie you've ever made in your career. Isabel May is not the star of eighteen eighty-three right now because Taylor Sheridan watched Katie and Alexa or Alexa and Katie on Netflix. He watched our movie, and she's great in it. And now she's a massive star. So, uh, you know, it, it's a tough thing. I'll never ask anyone to do anything they're uncomfortable with. But I will say, and we'll get into Gina Carano in a minute. Gina Carano, we're working with someone who is totally on board from day one. Oh, man, that's great. Gina's fantastic. That's just so great. That That's, you know, the fact that she was so outspoken the entire time mm. while while on Mandalorian. And I'm, I'm, I'm following her on Twitter. And I'm just like, this is... You just gotta not worry and be yourself and yes. stand up for what you believe in. And when they canceled her, she was just like, "I'll find a way." And she and Ben and Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire were like, "We're gonna make this work." You got nothing to worry about. It's a great story. If you don't mind, I'll tell Absolutely. it. Absolutely, it's, it's so terrific. So I believe that when 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 someone like Gina has the guts to do what she did, you have to pray. That there are people like me and Daily Wire ready to catch you 
and, and that's not fully realized yet, right? It's not, it's not totally, the infrastructure is not all there yet. We're, we're building ours, but there needs to be more. So Gina gets canceled on a Wednesday night at 10 PM. I text Jeremy Boring, the CEO of Daily Wire at 10.05. And he texts me right back. Ben and I were just texting about this. I said, dude, keep your phone on tomorrow morning. I'm going to call you. This is going to move very fast. Just please keep your phone on. So I reached out to Gina's agent, who I used to work for. The agent said, yeah, we're dropping her. I said, oh. I said, oh, it's terrible. I said, well, at least give me her manager's phone number. So I reached out to the manager. I'd known him uh, from my L.A. days, barely, right? We weren't. Can you say which agency this was? Was U- it a big U- five? Or? UTA, United UTA. Talent Agency, wow, where I used biggest, to work. Right? Yeah, they're they're a top three for sure. I'm not a fan. Huge agency. Uh, the same agent, by the way, that still represents James Franco, who, by the way, I'd work with in a second. Love him. But, yes, but, James. But James Franco's more canceled than Gina Carano, yet because one, one the, gets dropped dude, and one is not. The film school stuff about the intimacy yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know. James, come. So, this uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's such a, it's such a joke, right? So I reach out to the manager who I'd known back in LA, say, Hey, uh, let's get on the phone. So we spoke immediately. He's like, Oh, okay. It's like, we're kind of just, you know, reeling from all this. We were going to sort of take a step back and like, you know, we're getting calls from Megan Kelly and Hannity and all the stuff. I said, no, 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 no. Two things. One, say no to all of it. Number two, you have to move now. You have to trust me. I'm your guardian angel. I'm showing up daily wire and, and, and we are going to do this. Let's go. So the next morning we got Gina on the phone with, uh, Ben himself. We got Jeremy and I on the phone with the manager. We banged out a deal that day. Dallas was in the middle of a snowstorm where I live. Uh, and then Friday morning we announced it on deadline Hollywood wow. that we did a movie deal with her. And that exploded more than the original announcement. So this is how you fight. You were right about moving fast. Fast. That she boosted had, morale. By Monday, the, the story's passed. It's, mm-hmm. it, nobody cares. It's that fast. So we had to, she got fired Wednesday, Wednesday night, 10 p.m. by 10 a.m. Friday morning, the announcement. <laughs> and she had had jealous, her in- man. We're, we're, we gotta, we gotta get Tim Cast films going. Oh, shows. we have to. Yeah, when you're talking about, but we're, we're, we're growing. Decentralizing, or basically a new Hollywood, a parallel system. When, how do you envision that? Cause I wonder, yeah. Hollywood centralized. That was kind of the point of it was there was all these big walled boom stage, sound stages and stuff. So do you want to put them all over the place? Well, or all in Nashville? What are you thinking? Definitely it has to grow an ecosystem, almost taking the role of an old Hollywood studio system. So we would have, multiple screenwriters uh you know uh that we would pay full salaries to right they can make more money that way anyway full benefits all this kind of real jobs writing and directing movies do you think do you think we need to build like localized sound stages absolutely nashville has a few and we've used them and they're pretty good they've got uh you know some some really nice ones but they still don't have one that's competitive with atlanta or albuquerque yet okay what's that going to run we can oh. talk about that stuff off air, I guess. Yeah, five hundred million. Whoa. You know? Okay, but we that's could crowdfund. A, yeah, that. but uh, for a full ecosystem, I mean, that's Netflix money. So what our what our move right now is b- baby steps, right? I came my my sort of emotional gift to Daily Wire in many ways is that I'm going to work on these movies as if my life depends on them, right? Because they can't be bad. If they're bad, we will get shunned, mocked. 
all this kind of stuff, they're still going to attack us. And they are. There's some amazing articles that came out in the last few days about us. But like, you know, trying to poo-poo the movies. But these articles exist because they're scared. Who cares about them? I you know, love it. This is what this is, this is what I'm saying. If there's somebody who's like Ghostbusters 2016 was a great accomplishment, by all means, go watch Ghostbusters right. 2016. Enjoy it. I'm very happy for you. I'm going to go watch Run, Hide, Fight or, or Shut yeah. In and enjoy myself. Yeah. And if you want that, Hollywood, you can do whatever you want. But, I, but I'm, I'm saying if they keep going down this path, I think it's very obvious that their system is going to crumble. We, the, 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 the gentleman we had on the other day, Stephen, even mentioned that when institutions start getting woke, they start falling apart. Right. And he's a guy who has a very establishment worldview on things, very critical of the, the far right, as you would call it. But even he recognizes media companies are moving left. And once they do, it starts just crumbling. So if Hollywood wants to get woke and go broke, by all means, I'm not going to complain about oh, it. Oh, let them. If, 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 if my neighbor wants to go swimming with alligators, I'm going to be like, I will advise against it. <laughs> but far be it for me to tell you what risks you can't take. Now, we'll go over here and we'll make some good movies and have some fun and make jokes and not have to worry about being canceled every two seconds. And then I think 10 years from now, the work you're doing, the work Ben Shapiro and The Daily Wire is doing, is planting a tree whose shade you will actually get to sit beneath. And so will your children. That is the hope. That is the entire hope. That is what this is all about. It's to it's to create infrastructure and ecosystem for people who are willing to take risks and fight the system knowing they can do do that, get canceled, and come over here and work with us. It's also really important that we make great movies so that this is sustainable. It has to make money, right? So we're making movies that are small budget, you know, big idea, little box on purpose, but we're growing quickly. I mean, the budgets are already moving up. We're going to get into series, all these kind of things. So it's was, game on. It's like it's going to take trailblazers in the writing in the production part too, because like you said, like Gina walks away uh, as an actor. Those same people who have been told that they have to live within the Hollywood ecosystem are going to have to walk away and know and feel strongly enough the, about the work they create that they believe that that uh, that that script that that show can stand on its own two legs no matter where it's put out, not through the perceived legitimacy of Hollywood, but through any form of media that it can come out through and the story. Uh, is what elevates it, not the uh, the deadlines, not the AV clubs in the establishment press media that make these things seem like they're better than they are. The you know, yeah, I think we got to utilize piracy. Game of Thrones was like one of the most pirated shows of all time, and it was also one of the most popular. I think those this is not a coincidence. P- piracy is a tricky one. Um, uh, when you're in a transactional business, VOD movies or even theatrical, you're so in, you're so reliant on that purchase of that movie. When you're in the streaming world, the money's coming in, and it's for a bunch of stuff, right? In Daily Wire's case, there's the political. Uh, Folks that are, yeah. you know, political members, uh, they're, they're watching the podcast and the political uh, content. There's folks who are simply fans of Ben or Candace Owens, for example. And then there's the people who, are lo- who love the movies. And they're all going into one revenue stream, and it's really working from a financial perspective. So the company is super healthy. It's run like a real fortune whatever company, a fortune, you know, however many numbers company. And it's terrific. And you walk in and... You're, you cannot believe the feeling of being surrounded by all of these people who, you know, if they don't share your exact same values, they're civically aligned. They have the same goal, which is not to be the other side. Do you think there's a value at running it at a loss, like selling on the moon for 99 cents 
a pop and taking we, like a we, our version seventy percent loss or something. Our version of that has been opening night YouTube's. So we play the movies on YouTube one night only uh, for the first twenty, you know, for the first two hours. It's only available two hours. In fact, if you start at fifteen minutes late, you're gonna have to go watch the the fifteen minutes on Daily Wire's, uh, uh, you know, on their site. Is there a way that they're going to figure this out financially? Like when we look at like we we break down box office. It's, it's a lot. already it's already cash flow positive. Okay, but like we break down box offices. Yeah. So when a studio invests a hundred million dollars, yeah. they put one point five times that into marketing. Uh, then they have to look at their return on investment for what they yeah. make at the box office. How are they going to be figuring those numbers out when it comes to streaming? It's actually worse than that. You got to add in foreign sales. You got to add in, and the, they only take sixty percent of the box the, office, even less if it's in China. The value 25%. of who your star is, things like that. All of those pressure points on making a great movie go out the window. So this is as close as you can get to nineteen sixty nine Easy Rider. As I could possibly imagine. I mean, it is Easy Rider. Most people don't know this, but Easy Rider and Five Easy Pieces and The Last Picture Show and some of these other great movies were all produced by these three guys, uh, uh, SBS. And there's a great criterion collection about their works. And these guys set up their own shop. They had their own deal with, Par- uh, with, uh, Columbia TriStar at the time. And they made these great movies. That's all we're doing here. We're just creating sort of the most creatively unfiltered version of Hollywood absolutely possible today. I would like to think that uh, once the work starts coming out more frequently and people can see that what they're producing is not conservative media per se, yeah. it's just good media, that as culture turns, people come with it and it becomes less stigmatized. Yeah, and and, and certainly one day we'll be uh, accused of making a truly conservative movie. Like, 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 I'd love to make a comedy called Kamala! Exclamation point. You know, like, I, yeah. Maybe a question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I, I call it HBO films in reverse, right? I would love, I would love to do that at some point, but not right now. But it's going to get labeled that way. Oh, either way, sh- by sure. The, that's what I'm saying. You have to the, not care that the, like I said, the deadlines, the AV clubs, all these websites, yeah. the shill media sites yeah. are going to call it that, just like they label religious films. Yes. Uh, you know, the way they say, but paint all religious films with the same brush. We you are, know, there, there was a period where I cared, you know, maybe a few years ago, worried about mainstream press, their reactions. And like I was saying, it's because I felt like we were part of one system together. Right. And I didn't want them, I don't want my neighbor to feel, to, to think bad things about me that don't represent me. Then I started to realize eventually, like, these people aren't our neighbors anymore. Yeah. And it's scary. It's unfortunate. But uh, I'm not interested in trying to convince people who hate me and refuse to listen when I try to be nice to them. Yeah, I'm actually when, – when, when, when I've approached many of these people, be it on the ground in Portland at protests or on Facebook, and I'm nice to them. And their response is, I literally don't care what you have to say. F you, you fascist. I'm like, okay then. Then I'm going to go do my thing over there. You no longer factor in. So when these media outlets say whatever they want, don't care. We're going to build our thing. We're going to do a good job of it. And guess what's going to happen? Like I said, five, ten years, people are going to be knocking down the door desperate to get a role with Daily Wire Productions, with your company. And I'll tell you this too. Look at Rumble right now. I advise people when they're like, how do I, I want to make a show. I want to do YouTube videos. No, 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 no. You want to do Rumble videos. Because YouTube has pulled up the ladder behind everybody else. Mm -hmm. You're getting banned. You don't know what you can or can't say. Live streamers get too popular too fast. They take you down. Start on Rumble. You've got more market opportunity. This means in LA, there's going to be writers. There's going to be production assistants, producers, smaller staff, APs, whatever. And they're going to say, I would rather move to Nashville because I know there's a great opportunity with Daily Wire and the stuff they're producing. And it's freeing 
But more importantly, the market opportunity. Hollywood is, is such a monolith. It's so hard to break in. Yeah. You hear all these stories about people sending a pizza into producers. When they open it, there's a, there's a headshot. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. There's a real opportunity now with what you guys are doing over at Daily Wire and your productions. So why bother with trying to climb an ivory tower when you can go knock on the front door of people who said, we want to do great stuff and we want to make, make something new. Here's your opportunity. You were telling us the story beforehand about Tom Cruise negotiating his own contract for risky business. Okay, can you explain that story again? Because I want to pull back to that. Yeah, there was a fantastic article on Daily Mail today uh, interviewing Tom Cruise's first manager from when he was eighteen to twenty-two or three. And uh, Tom Cruise, when he when he was engaging on risky business, sent an email. Uh, sorry, sent a a, a letter uh, to his agent at CAA. Telling her what to counter in the negotiation, the the fee down to the size of the trailer, everything involved. And it was just fascinating. And it just goes to show you what a movie star truly is. And so the, the modern day business savvy actors, writers, directors are going to start see the tides turning, see things shift. And they're going to see that Nashville is just as as uh, much of a opportunity for them as it would be to go straight to California. And you would hope that in there, there's going to be some script, uh, a couple of scripts here and there that are going to be so good and they're going to stand out so well that it will be that initial cultural shift, that uh, that touchstone that pushes things to, uh, you know, to bring it back the, back this way. Absolutely. And, 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 and those floodgates have, have flung open, yeah. right? I'm getting a phone call almost every day now from an actor, a director, a writer, Major, major players, people who have showrun, that's the head producer on a TV show, head writer of the, some of the biggest TV shows, just saying, I'm so sick of this. Like, please, like, what's, what's going on up there? What are you doing? And then also, I think we've become very inspirational to a younger generation of filmmakers. I, I have this rule. I, I answer every email. So send me an email, Dallas at bonfirelegend.com. I will, I will write you back. And, you know, I try to respond to every single email quickly. Sometimes it takes me a few days, but I want I want to to, to encourage these filmmakers, these young people who who understand culture at the, at that generation better than I do to create, 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 and hopefully they can bring me the right. I project. guess we need to start building tutorials of how to use sound equipment and lighting equipment. Have Matt, you, oh, that's all over YouTube for sure. Good. Have you looked yeah. into starting a new union? I'm kind of fed up with SAG. I was thinking about a web actors guild, like WAG or something, where <laughs> you could decide not to screw people over, but also that you don't have to pay them sure. $1,400 a day or whatever. The, 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 uh, the unions are, are, are sort of, uh, separated into the crew and then what we call above the line, actors, writers, and directors. Those three have their own guilds, SAG, WGA, DGA. And then the crew is uh, under IATSE. And it's a really challenging uh, relationship for low-budget independent producers to work with these unions. They have, for the most part, a reason to exist for the Netflixes of the world. When it comes to a million-dollar movie, it's very hard to engage with them. What I think the trick is, is if, if we're going to sort of go further out into the woods – uh, on these movies and, 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 and really make them on our own. We have to be good stewards, right? We have to pay people fairly. We have to provide opportunities. The other thing is, like, especially with the stunt actors, their insurance is through SAG. Mm. So if they get hurt doing a stunt, and if you've seen any of my movies, there are tons of stunts in every one of them. Someone dies in every movie. And, and it's like, 
you know, if, if, if these people get hurt, they, they need the, they need the, the insurance to, to protect their families. Definitely. And still no Oscar for stunts. Could we set up a whole, there good should point. be. Good That's point. a good point, dude. Especially, so, best part of movies continue. In today's day and age where stunts make up such a huge percentage of the tentpole films that we see and they get no recognition for it whatsoever. Oh, brilliant. Great yeah, idea. Heard that's, that's a great idea. Instead, why don't we create our own Oscars? And stu- <laughs> yes. Stunts will be the last. We can't, the last yeah, award. Let's do it. Remember the yeah. wireies. They did like the, the, what was the, the YouTube video award ceremonies they started doing. Yeah, like, yeah the, we, the Webbies. Or yeah, Webbies. Let's the do Benjamins. that. Benjamins. And then like VidCon and all that. Let's just start like a new. In Nashville. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Not even, I'm not even, you know, you know what we do need. So, uh, are you familiar with VidCon? Yeah. There, there are. Uh, there was a year where a bunch of YouTubers with big followings showed up because they're political commentary, cultural commentary, and they're shunned. But I'll tell you my story. I actually uh, had a big talent agency reach out to VidCon. This was back when I was working for Disney, when at the ABC company, and they were like, "Hey, Tim Pool is a streaming journalist. We'd love to get him involved." And they said, "Nope, don't care. Don't won't won't, won't do it." They end up doing journalism panels with people who aren't journalists and have no followings. And so I'm just like, this is an industry insider game. If you're a friend of the people who run it, they'll claim you're a journalist and put you on a panel for which you have no expertise and have you talk to a bunch of people. It's just trash. So you know what? We do need our own multimedia, video, social media conference that actually talks about merit because that's what, that's what their whole system is about. Authoritarianism. The, 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 the woke multicultural democracy is a religious hierarchy. If you are part of the party, you get privileged access. It'd be cool if the crowd, if the crowd decides who gets to go speak at it, but then you got to avoid popularity contests. So there's going to be, well, there no, should that, be some that, sort of that calculation. Doesn't, that doesn't work because you need, uh, you need, if the people all knew who say you were, then why would they need to see you go speak if they know who you are because they've heard you speak? The, oh. the, the, the issue is if we're doing a big event, it's to introduce people to, um, experts in certain fields. And certain industries to tell them about what's going on, how, how, you know, here's what you should learn. Here's what I, here's the information I can give you. The problem with VidCon is they have like, you know, they, they bring on this woman who has like a thousand Twitter followers who doesn't really work in journalism. And then they have her speak to an audience of people as an expert. I'm like, why don't you actually just reach out to people who are experts and invite them to come? So that is. The woke authoritarianism. If you are a part of the cult, they'll just put you in a privileged position and claim you're an expert. Makes no sense. But it's exactly what these regimes have done in the past. People who aren't farmers are given farms. We need meritocracy. Someone who's got proven skills, who's worked in the industry, will be invited to come speak and share their knowledge the way it used to be. Remember, they hate meritocracy. Right. They exactly. hate the idea of meritocracy. Well, That's exactly it. You, you hit on it, though, because it used to be a situation where we were all in a respectful relationship with each other and the other sides. And that is gone. These people hate you. Hmm. I say that all <laughs> the smile time. smile on your face. These people, Hollywood hates you. See, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you and everyone who doesn't just, you know, sort of just, just I, I, what, what, cave to their real, absolute real, real, real woke religion. Just to add to that, I think yeah. they hate everyone. Mm. That's the elite but, but, part of the elite. But, 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 here, but here's everything where, around them. But here's where it gets weirder. I get also I get phone calls from my friends who are still inside the system, trapped, Man. right? And they're having to go to their you know uh, sessions and their uh, biases trainings and things like that. And it is they, they they have to play ball because they're getting paid so much money that to lose that salary 
right? It's the it's the freedom scale. So the right? money holds them hostage. Absolutely, right? absolutely, and 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 that's the only way they can get a movie made. They don't mm-hmm. they don't know how to come out and 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 risk it all and all this kind of stuff. But they're starting to crack a little bit, right? It's it's exciting, right? It's it's exciting to see it. What yeah, what you guys are doing man. is going to create a position where Hollywood will be forced to 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 mingle. Yeah. To, to, to cross over. You're going to have uh, the, the the latest film that uh, Daily Wire acquired is Hi- Hi- Hyperion's, right? The Hyperion's, Carrie yeah. Ellis. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite and, actors and, and of all time. When I, when I saw Princess this, Bride, what's up? No, for, for, seriously. I love that when, movie. When I saw the, the, the tweet come out with the trailer, and I'm like, Daily Wire got a Carrie Ellis film. That is that is impressive. He's, he's fantastic. Sooner or later, Hollywood's going to say, if people are finding opportunity right. with this other new emerging you know film industry... We are going to we're, we're not going to be competitive if we put constraints on them that the Daily Wire guys don't. So if the issue is right now, someone can choose to do a movie with you guys, and you, your position is we'll always work with you. And Hollywood threatens them; they're going to say, you know, maybe I just go where it's easier and less stressful. Hollywood will be forced to be like, no, 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 no. We, we won't we won't blacklist you. We need your talent too. That's that's the market competition you guys are bringing. That's what we need to see. When I was in Hollywood. I worked with folks on the left and folks on the right, tons of them, right? The folks on the right never had an issue working with folks on the left. The reverse was so painful. It was just, just constant complaining and this and that and everything was a problem. You know, I, I, I remember coming in, uh, to work one day after Trump was elected and half the office was crying, right? And I just, I, I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, something is, like, I, I don't understand this, right? I don't even identify with, with this behavior. And, 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 and so then, you know, it, it took me a little while to catch up to, uh, where I was supposed to be, which is, you know, my optimized version now, which is hopefully, you know, making movies of the Daily Wire for a decade plus. I'd love yeah. to, you know, I'm obviously considering moving to Nashville and, 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 and being a really big, even a bigger part of it than I am now, but I'm having a blast, and 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 it, it's it's so important uh, to do this now because I didn't I didn't I didn't grow up as a 13 year old uh, wanting to run you know pr- produce independent movies that I'm producing now. I thought I was going to be running Paramount. I thought I was going to be the president of production of Paramount, like my idol Robert Evans. Mm. Kid stays in the picture. Well, you 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 technically will be. Yeah. It just won't be called Paramount. That's correct. It will be a major studio producing some of the biggest films in the world, wow. and it'll be called something different. I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm going to be Brad Pitt. And then I got just that sexuality grossed me, and I was like, I've got to bail on this. Ian was in a but Super I'm still, Bowl commercial. We can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can make – we can become the biggest thing on earth. It's just want, not the way can. it seemed. I want to pull up this article from Bounding into Comics. That's awesome, dude. Yes. Godzilla actor <laughs> Brian Cranston. Well, Brian Cranston is well known for a lot of things. Claims he has white blindness. Uh, says he needs to learn and change. In an interview with the LA Times, promoter's upcoming role as Charles Nichols in the stage play Power of the Sale, he revealed he suffers from what he calls white blind li- blindness and advocated for limits on free speech. What? Uh, okay. It's a privileged viewpoint to be able to look at the Klan and laugh at them and belittle them for their broken and hateful ideology. Blah, blah, blah. You get the point. You know what this really is? This is... He doesn't actually believe any of this No, stuff. he's being held hostage. Exactly. He's being held hostage by his by his manager, by his agents, we, by we, the industry he needs to continue to be a part of. I'm afraid ben he's Shapiro, being changed. Ben Shapiro, I implore thee, we must save this man. Yes. We must give him an opportunity <laughs> to say, all that stuff was because they made me say it, I just want to make films. And we'll be like, yeah, you're cool. Right on. We, we're a fan. Or 
is he such a capitalist <laughs> that yeah. this, they are? That they, this, they're just hyper capitalists. Yeah, who are like, you know what? <laughs> if I have to do this to make the money, I'll do this to make the money. Is, is he is he possibly worried that his last two or three movies didn't go so well? Mm. And that if he does this, he'll be on front page he, uh, well, again. Well, well, such well, a good on, actor. What, what were, and Breaking Bad was a terrible script. What I'm were, just going to say that now. What, there was, what, what there was, was big what, flaw in it that I can get into. What were the last films he produced? Well, or, I, started, I, 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 I'd have to look. I haven't but, seen but, anything but, from him for, but, since but, Trumbo. But, yeah, yeah, the Trumbo movie you know, was, was not great. He, he, they he killed is, him off in Act 1 in Godzilla. Look, I can't give specifics, but we can look it up. But. But it is inarguable that he has been as relevant as he was when Breaking Bad ended. It, he's not. Then it feels like almost. So, so you, you've got the El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Okay, fine. Isle of Dogs. You the the voice. one and only Ivan. Ladies Night is something else. Maybe it was the uh, getting cast as Zordon in Power Rangers that did him in. <laughs> <laughs> His work on Malcolm Maybe. in the Middle was supreme. Yeah. I mean, he's fantastic. He's so good. He's so he's so good. There was and by funny, the way, I'd work with him in a second. I would 100%. A second. And, and, and I think Fine. you give him the opportunity and you give him a path to success. But I wonder how much of what people are chasing after is legacy. And so the issue is these people who live in the cult genuinely believe that's the real world. And they view actual America as a foreign entity and something to be feared or something not legitimate. Whereas, you know, the, the way we described it, especially yesterday talking about the Civil War with um, Stephen uh, Marsh, there's a there's a, a multicultural democracy in the United States and a constitutional republic. They're at war. They're at odds with each other. But the woke democracy is not the real mainstream America. It's something weird and new that emerged in the past 15 or 20 years. That's held in place by the media that promotes it daily. Like you don't realize that your average neighbor does not believe the stuff that you're watching on the news or that you're seeing in these television shows. The average neighbor uh, across from you is a lot more reasonable than you would think, but they're held in, these beliefs are held in place by the mainstream establishment press, which has, you know, your television holds a lot of weight in your house. The social media that your kids look at holds a lot of weight in your house. A lot of times when you talk about, when we talk about CNN, like you'll talk about the, we talk about, uh, they, they rag on the ratings of CNN, right? It's like, it only got 800,000 views this, this episode, right? I'm like, yeah, but these views are parroted by celebrities, each of who has hundreds of millions of followers. Right. And that, pushes it outward to the general public. That's, that's where a good the, point. They yeah. measure only 3 million views, but how many retweets that show how many more views? That's a calculation that hasn't been accurately done. How many of the average celebrity just watches CNN, parrots those beliefs, and then every one of their followers is, uh, you know... Or how many... Brian Cranston has an agent who comes to him and says, look, man, you got to come out and you got to say this stuff, okay? It's hmm. going to be big. You're going to get a, a bunch of attention. And he goes like, oh, okay. I got a feeling he runs his agent and that he actually got brainwashed. I saw it happen to a few other people where one morning they wake up and they're like, yeah, yeah, whiteness is a problem. Huh. You see, I think LeBron James had happened to all of a well, sudden one day. Yeah, they just want money. Man. You go to enough of those, uh, those con, those, uh, you know, those seminars they make you attend to if you work for the government, and I'm sure, uh, you know, more than a few of them do end up starting to, those to are fall prey to it. Very prevalent in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And those stories, Tim, like, I see like, 20 of those a day when I'm looking, when I'm, when I'm looking up stuff to talk about, like a lot of those, I'll skip them. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's so obvious. Like uh, we could cover that every day and I'd be like, do I really need to rag on this? You, Read know, this. you, know, you know what the weirdest thing too is I'm sure you can go to uh, um, Brian Cranston's um, uh, history and find a whole bunch of racist and off color jokes and yeah. offensive comedy and transphobia. I mean, there was uh, someone mentioned um, I saw on Twitter SVU. 
with uh, you know NBC Law and yeah. Order SVU, and that the main character Benson has has been severely transphobic in a bunch of different episodes or something. I don't know if that's true, yeah, because I know that often these people lie or exaggerate, but I wouldn't be surprised because it was a very different world 15 years ago. The, cu- so the culture the, shifted. I wonder if this is actually you know. He's got a crisis management firm, risk assessment, and they're like, you know, you did these episodes of Malcolm in the Middle. These could come up and huh. bite you in the ass. If you come out now and and become devout, you'll be safe. There are absolutely examples of that. And, and, and in Hollywood, if you're if you're the most vocal about, you know, being a sort of a male feminist or any of these things. Never trust you, a male feminist. You, you, have the, you have the worst <laughs> history of, you know, dating and past and things like that. So that is that is a rule. I think in Cranston's case, it literally is he was less uh, uh, popular. He's just less part of the zeitgeist. He was fading. Yeah. And he said, how can I get back on the front page? That was it. I think it was, I think it was that simple. So he decided to figuratively self-immolate. Yes, that's right. He was like, I know. That is exactly what happened, in my opinion. Look at yeah. James Gunn. Got, uh, he, he had his... Tons of tweets that were really creepy, uh, that we, stuff yeah. we can't even talk about on here. And if you're part of the establishment, you get a pass, because what Disney did is they fired him, DC hired him, and then Disney quietly rehires him yep. for Guardians of the Galaxy they, 3. I, I wonder if it actually played out, uh, um, very, very favorably for him. I wonder if he was actually, quote unquote, fired by Marvel. James Gunn, it, it, I think it was Mike Cernovich who pulled up these tweets to make a point about cancel culture. Because that was after Rosie O'Donnell. Right. Yeah. And uh, Rosie O'Donnell or Roseanne or, or Roseanne. Roseanne. Yeah. Roseanne. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he pulls up these Roseanne's tweets from these, awesome. these, these like James Gunn used to make those uh, those movies, those really like gross horror films or whatever they were called. Yeah. And so he has these really off color offensive yes. jokes. And I'm like, and he's trying to be an edge lord. It's whatever. But of course, it creates a media frenzy by quote unquote firing him. He was able to work for for Marvel and DC. Yeah, he got to do both. He had to do both. And, and Peacemaker and, and came out great. Peacemaker's fantastic. Yeah, we loved it. And um, shout out to, uh, have you seen Peacemaker? Oh yeah, it's great. So uh, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to give too deep of a spoiler, but if you don't want to hear it, you're being warned. I don't think it's a spoiler. I just want to say the villains in that show are the establishment Democrats. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. They give a speech and I'm just like climate that's alarmism. Like, that's like Dr. Fauci, yeah. right? Like giving a speech. What is this? It was like climate, the bad guys. It was climate alarmism mixed with max mask propaganda. Yeah. Uh, disguised as aliens coming from another planet. And then and he, they're the villains. They're the bad guys. And Keep I'm like, I, I actually thought they were going to try and pull some, like, it turns out, you know, the, this this whole authoritarian worldview is the right idea, but they're the bad guys. And I was like, you know, got to respect it. You know what we got to do? Create a movie where we've already, as a species, with, learned how to withdraw the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and fix the climate change thing to create graphene with it and we're building new materials. <laughs> okay. But now we're competing with trees for the carbon dioxide, and it's a new problem. And the trees become mobile. And the trees become the sentient yeah. and mobile. <laughs> yeah. But that way, it'll implant in the people's ants. minds, like, hey, it's not that big of a problem. Problem, by the way, climate change. We can fix the climate if we get proactive about well, it. Well, to, to get a little bit more broad in it your point. It is a big problem that we can fix, right, right, To get a little bit more broad on your point, this is the purpose of, of culture. Is, um, it's a run, hide, yeah. run, hide, fight, for instance, was about like standing up in, in defiance, like you know, fighting for what you believe in and saving people and things like that. These are cultural messages. It was, um, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer and there's like this young girl, she's being trained how to use a weapon, stuff like that. There's, so there's, a, there's a photo going around of kids in Wyoming being uh, in a gym with airsoft pellet guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not airsoft, with pellet uh, CO2 uh, um, compression rifles. And I'm like, my, my, my joke about it was I am disgusted and offended. <laughs> These children should be outside with 22s. 
putting him in a gym with CO2. What are you doing? Give him a 22. Come on. It's, it's, but, um, the, the, the establishment Democrat activist video was shrieking, children with guns. Oh, it's the, and there's like, there's this video from libs of TikTok of a guy screaming, what are you insane? And I'm like, yo, guns are things like we, we used to teach kids how to be safe and respect them and understand them. And I, res- I think that's a good idea. So when you make a movie that shows someone teaching, you know, a young person how to use a weapon, that is creating the idea. It's planting pe- in people's minds. This is a, this is a part of life. It's a normal part of life. That's the purpose of building culture. So you're right, Ian. Yeah. Not a movie about showing kids how to make guns, but in the movie, the character you love is showing kids, like is, is teaching proper, kids. Proper yeah. technique. And so then you understand that these things are a normal part of the world. So in your, in your view about solutions towards climate change and stuff like that, making movies, showing possibilities opens people's minds up to things they may have not considered before, which is why it's so important. If you seed culture only to the left, the woke, you're going to get movies like, man, have you seen the new craft? The craft, you know, you know, the original, the craft. Oh, I know all about it. I've You've seen, seen the it. new one. Yeah, it was what it was. Uh, I don't even think you can call it a movie. No, it, it, it was it was a, a grouping of random woke PSAs that don't seem to go together at all. They cast a spell, turn a guy gay or something. I'm just like, this is not a movie. It makes no sense. But if kids grow up watching that stuff, their brains are going to be all jumbled up and broken from this nonsense. One of the biggest producers in Hollywood uh, was caught in an interview saying he didn't know any female directors, even th- even though a female had just directed a movie for him. Wow. Yes. And so, of course, he got called out, semi-canceled for about 10, hour- 10 hours, and then back, back, and he was back because he's such a big producer. And so his his sort of, uh, uh, you know, his way of fixing things was to put a bunch of female movies into produ- female directed movies into production. The problem is he didn't go and oversee those movies the same way that he did his male director. He wouldn't be allowed to. He let these women go on set and 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 you know by themselves and and the movies failed. Black Christmas and the Crash. Oh, Black Christmas, oh, and, and, so and, bad. And, and it's and, and it's honestly really sad. And so all he well he, while he was applauded for hiring all these female directors, the truth is he let them fail. That's like are, Biden's uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. Are you are you familiar with uh, exactly Kierkegaard's? Let it fail. Uh, are you familiar with Kierkegaard's story about the clown? No. Uh, a, a fire breaks out backstage at a theater and a clown runs on stage to begin to warn the audience of the fire and they all begin laughing. He then becomes more erratic and extreme. No, you need to understand. They all laugh even louder. And he says, I think this is how the world will end with people believing it's a joke or something to that effect. And I wonder if, you know, I, I think about that when I see this guy, he, he, he puts these female directors in play just because they're females, doesn't oversee them. The movies are abysmal and flop and then everyone cheers for him. I wonder if what's actually happening is the people in the audience know there's a fire. They don't care, though, because they're all worried about being the one person to not clap while everyone else is clapping. One of the female writers on one of the two movies started to talk about this uh, phenomenon on Twitter and quickly stopped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, was sort of <laughs> uh, you know, encouraged look, not to do that anymore. You know, is that the girl that was talking Why? to Jeremy Hamby, the quartering? I, I saw I, a good dialogue. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Jeremy's terrific. She but, wrote, no. um, the girl that's writing uh, The Witcher, I think, decided oh, cool. to strike up a, a dialogue with Jeremy on Twitter, video chats. Yeah. So they were really talking about it. I was like, hey, yeah, diversity is important, yeah. but within like 
one skin color, you can have a lot of different cultural diversity. Don't forget that when you're creating. Well, uh, well, uh, well, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the guy, the guy, the, uh, the producer went further and created a deal with Amazon to make low, low budget, uh, horror movies where he could get his diversity quotas met so that he could go back to making Halloween with a white male Does director. Does he actually have quotas or is it a personal thing of his? It's a little, uh, it's all, it's all, it's all, all, it's all part of the it's all part of the unspoken rule of Hollywood that's now more spoken to be to be frank. It's like the identity politics version of like Wes Craven saying he'd only do horror films so they'd let him make a classic love story. Yeah, and, like, and, and, and he does what they say the, yeah, the things they request and, of him yeah. uh, with no passion for it whatsoever. Although I love the new Joker movie, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, Todd, uh, the director. Uh, he wanted to make Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah so and he that's, just, let's just he make wanted, a movie. It's what he made. So he made, yeah. yeah. Let's but, just but, make a good you, movie and call it Joker. Yeah, but you, but Todd, Todd, Phillips, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. So you put you put it in you put it in a Joker storyline, and now you get seventy million dollars to make the movie instead of seven. Fifty-five million dollars made a billion without China. Wow. But Joker was awesome. It yeah. is, it is awesome. Taxi Driver is awesome. Of course, too, though. But that's the trick, right? Right. It's, it's, it's happening with the new Batman. I'd like movie. to make you Indiana can Jones whoa, 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 in a new wait, wait, skin. What, what's the new Batman movie? The new Batman movie is a 1970s, it's you know, new American cinema movie mm-hmm. housed is, under Batman. Now, hopefully, it's great. That's the that's the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, I think it will be because they're letting Matt Reeves have run of his production, whereas yeah. they, every other Warner Brothers production they've done, they've interfered so heavily. That that's a, that's a, that's a party line, right? Yeah. Uh, who knows? But that's the, that's what they're pitching. Uh, uh, and, and Robert Pattinson is a great actor. Yes. You know, so. The Lighthouse. Yeah. Joker yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw Joker in theaters. The media tried destroying it. They claimed it was incel yeah. fan. That's you why know, it made a billion dollars. And but but I went to see it and it's a it's a it's really amazing how yeah. what the movie is I just the for, I hope everybody's seen it because that ending, no I haven't seen it but tell me I've oh, watched so many not clips seen it yeah I've seen a lot the of clips the ending of it. is like it's I've seen the ending it's not action it's not I mean there's there's action <laughs> it's in it but terror it's, it's not superheroes bro the ending is just psychological edge of your thriller seat, edge of your seat shaking. The Joaquin Phoenix's performance, yeah. my heart like leapt from my chest in that final scene, and I was just like, "I gotta watch this movie again." Wow, it was amazing, and and it was it was you know for what it was, you say it's like Taxi Driver with the Joker storyline, but still, it did Joker very very well as the Joker character. Yep, I would I would love to see them use that version of the Joker in in future iterations of of, of DC uh, films. Because that is an excellent Joker. Yeah. He would fit within the Matt Reeves uh, version of those characters. I don't know if he would fit as well into the standard DCEU, given that it's far more uh, Whedonized. No, he would. He, it, it would be amazing. I'd they, rather I, see him in Matt Reeves. He's kind of Lex Luthor. So, so look, I, like look I, watched, I watched The Dark Knight recently, and that version of the Joker is absolutely incredible, but very magical. Right. Like how he pulls these things off. Like all of a sudden he's got two fairies rigged with explosives. Like how did the Joker do that? Why, why are people working for this guy who's broke? He stole money from the mob, but he's, 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 he's reckless so much so that the, the mob guy Maroney, I think it is, he's like, I can't do this craziness. I'm going to help the police now. It, it, it was, it was an excellent portrayal. It was a fun movie, but it was magical. This version of the Joker, they actually made it make sense. Why are people following him? Ideology. Because he was bucking the system. 
and he's out of his mind, but people are like, I don't care anymore. I, I absolutely love it. I think he'd be fantastic. That makes so much sense about why people, why Joker has a following in Gotham City, because Gotham's always been like post-apocalypse. It's basically like the worst New York could become. And you can see that's great, great observation. I actually but, like Batman Begins more than The Dark Knight is f- visually, because I think it actually captures what Gotham is supposed to look like. Yeah. Much more, at, Once it became The Dark Knight and then The Dark Knight Rises, it just became New York and right. Chicago mixed together. Whereas there was far more, uh, uh, a, a far but more ethereal dark tone. Yeah. Here, here's here's what really gets me with with Joker is the people protesting the not, the one percent. They're outraged. Their 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 lives are miserable. There's crime and they're driven by ideology. So when I think of superheroes having to fight crazed masses, I'm like, I actually understand how you can't reason with far left extremists on the ground smashing windows. They're they're blinded by hatred and zealotry. And as a superhero, you you're sworn to protect them. Yeah. How and does Batman but, but, fight them? He doesn't. He not real. Not really. Well, no. Batman gives them TBI. Yeah. He, he bashes their skulls in and leaves them rotting, shivering on the you know shaking the guy on the ground. stealing the loaf of bread and Batman the meme of the but, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But but I'm thinking about how they would do the new Joker in in a future Batman movie mm-hmm. is the followers of the Joker are just ideologues mm-hmm. who are like you know Bruce Wayne is corrupt. The Batman supports the police. The police are crooked. This system needs to be torn Clown down. World baby from the ash. Exactly from the ashes of the old. We shall build anew. And the Joker is the one to do it. And then you get order the Batman. I think that would Hong be fantastic. Kong. There's uh, yep. elements of like Court of Owls story being brought into this, meaning that there's a lot of possibility that the the Waynes end up being corrupt in the in the new interpretation of the film, which could lend itself to that even better. Because uh, you know he can't fight back as Bruce Wayne then, because his parents are his. And and yeah. you know like in the Joker, yeah. Thomas Wayne looks kind of bad. Yep. So I, I think I'm so impressed with with Joker. And uh, they've done like Jared Leto. Come on, you know, no disrespect. I think you know. I don't. I don't know about that weird stuff he's doing with those women or whatever. As well as weird stories about him in Hollywood. But uh, uh, Fight Club, big fan. Him as the Joker, not so much. So in Batman, are they? Is the Joker who's up against the one percent like against the Waynes because they're part of the one percent? Because that's he's a crazy. cool storyline too. Crazy. Or the people that follow thinks, the Joker are they against the Waynes? Have, the, have they focused the hatred onto the Waynes? Okay, in the film, Thanks. he thinks Thomas Wayne is his dad. And, he, he, and he's he's just schizophrenic. And so he's this angry, angsty, deranged guy who snaps. And there's some sympathy for him, the way he's mistreated yeah, and yeah. abused and how he goes off. But the protesters just think the system is broken. And they see this guy who goes on TV and says it to the world. And now he's got a, he's got a following. And now the Joker from that point becomes arrogant and and when he says like now I see the humor in it, I'm like that is such a good Joker. It's uh, I I would love to see his evolution into legit super villain. How his followers support him because they agree with him because they're driven by ideology. Mm, fantastic. Do you like the idea of them doing it with William Defoe as like an as like a faux Joker, like a three Jokers type storyline from the comics? Uh, I didn't think I didn't like that. Like I don't yeah. want it to be any more like the comics. I want it to be like Nolan made it. It was basically crime dramas. Uh, yeah. I don't need it to be. Uh, superhero-esque. I need it to be more like a the, standard thriller. The way they did Joker, if they went ultra-realistic, like Joker doesn't have magic powers yeah. where he can rig a fairy up, but then you, you deal with, you know, uh, the Batman or other superheroes struggling to deal with someone who's got such a, a large following. You don't know who is supporting him or where. You don't know how, like, what, what he's doing. And there's, there's something to be said about people who don't know how to play a game and, and they're difficult to defeat. So if anyone, like, plays poker... 
there's a certain difficulty in playing poker against someone who has no idea what they're doing. They make weird bets. Yeah. You don't know if they're bluffing. And then they play two seven off suit and they hit a full house and you're like, we got it. <laughs> I saw the two and the seven on the board. I thought they'd never play it and they win. So having that erratic behavior of Joker would be a, a really interesting, you know, they, they could take that version. We got to be really interesting against a Bruce Wayne who's where you know, he like where Joker releases like a bio weapon and can blame it on the bat. Well, I don't know about Come that. on. That's the perfect wrap. Yeah, but Todd's but little boat to put on this conversation. That's not realistic. Well, that's like the, that's, that's Wuhan Lan. It's a joke about the Wuhan. I, I, I get it. But, oh, okay. that, but you know, when I, I thought just, it was funny. I just said make <laughs> In writing, I, I think. I suppose I didn't understand because I'm like, that's oh. the opposite of what I just said. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was something else. So I'm, I'm saying like you have this joker who's just a mentally ill guy who develops a following. How could that manifest realistically against, against the Batman? You know, or a Justice League. He's like, I, I, I can calculate anyone's actions, but this man is totally erratic. Yeah. I can't, I can't pick his he next would, move. He would have billionaire followers. He, like, like, like the far left. He'd have, he'd have patrons who are ultra wealthy and they would get word of like how to support the Joker and they would be like, yes, the system must be t- torn down. And that's how he, he would develop these cra- make Joker it- lives matter. You'd be like, you'd see like the Joker's <laughs> face painted on like, you know, Clown like, lives what matter. is it? The, the just stadium, ri- you know, they'd have like a Joker flag at the stadium. It's just a rich Support. guy who's telling the Joker what to take down because then he can bet stocks against the company. Yeah. Like, or, yeah. or, or here'd be a good one. A rich guy trying to manipulate the Joker thinking yeah. his craze, you know, can harm companies that would benefit him. Exactly. But the Joker's smarter than that. He may be crazy, but the Joker ends up manipulating him back, taking his money. Oh man, I, I think they could do a lot of great stuff. Yeah, with pinning that. the blame on him. But I want to go. I want, I, I want to go back in time to something that that Ian said. You mentioned that um, even within someone's race, there's great diversity. Well, Ian, I bring you now to a story from Bounding into Comics. Boy. MCU fans <laughs> claim casting Sochil Gomez as America Chavez as colorist harass actress for being too light skinned. Wrong ethnicity. Well, so there you have it, Ian. Yes, you are correct. Within different color people, there's great diversity, but they don't want that. They no, want. They, they they want simultaneously. Someone who looks just like the person in the comic while also saying that you can have a black woman play like Anne Boleyn or something. My attitude is, honestly, I don't care who plays a character. Like when uh, Idris Elba was um, – what's the guy's name in, in Marvel the, with the eyes? You can see everything. Oh, I can't, I can't remember. But, uh, what, uh, the, what's, who's the guy who can see everything in, in Marvel? I don't know. He's the Norse god. Yeah. yeah I know and people are complaining because it's clearly a Norse – it's based uh, on Norse mythology and he's not uh, – and he's not exactly as pale as the – as the other ones, and I'm one of those people that I don't have a problem with the race swapping as yeah, much as other care. people, especially if I don't have a strong connection to the source material. Heimdall. Like, Heimdall. Heimdall. But yeah, so, yeah. so people, there's a lot of people who are like, it's Norse mythology and Heimdall is a white man. I'm like, dude, he's an actor. I yeah. don't care. Like, there are some instances where I can certainly understand it if you're like, you know, that one's a little too much when people complain about Anne Boleyn being played by a black well, that's woman. that's because it's a real person. Right. It's a historical figure. Right. That's a good point. I still kind of don't care that much. Because I don't, I don't, I I want someone's performance to to, to yeah, the to, best actor. Then I want Ian to play show. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, well, there lies the point. I can make that happen. They will. They, they right now, the, the woke are complaining that Sochil Gomez is is the wrong color. Yes, but they're also the same people who complain that or, or state that you can have a, a black person play a white character. The Little Mermaid is now yes, uh, but it only goes one direction. It only goes one direction. Because they don't actually believe what they believe, and they are harassing the crap out of this girl. And it's like I feel so bad. I'm for really young actress. Interested to, in your experience, now. Sorry to cut you off there, but I want to. Yeah, uh, you were there. I mean, you're. Yeah, I mean, um, th- this is a pr- pretty new phenomenon in Hollywood, right? And and so you go back in time and you see movies from ten years ago when someone did something like this, and now they're getting sort of canceled for it. 
But the the worst the worst case was Scarlett Johansson. Her attachment was going to get a movie made about the trans about a trans woman. person, yep. and and I think you know th- those types of movies can be helpful in uh, normalizing a behavior pattern, things like that. Whether you believe in it or not, I'm just saying it's a fact. And her star power. Um, and, and, and so, and so, the the trans activist came out, uh, uh, canceled the movie, and now this movie is not going to get made yeah. e- ever. Uh, uh, there isn't a foreign sales driving trans name. Now you could say, well, okay, hold it back until there is one. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Fifteen years, it's, ten years. It's, um, you know, her name recognition drives the ability for that movie to make profit. And and and, and, and Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, you know, playing a gay man. It's all these different things. It's so exhausting. So again, just the the, the reason why. And I don't want the rules, but once the rules are created, mm-hmm. them's the rules. So right. so look, look look at this real quick. It's this this Twitter user Claudia Amenabar says, "Oh, whitewashed America Chavez. I am so sorry what they did to you." What? Like, I, literally what? I don't understand. Read some of the other ones farther it, down. Yeah, oh, man. Well, well, they who, get, who, more, they get who, more insane. Who, atta- <laughs> who, who, who attacked her, though? Was it the Aaron Rupars of the world, or was it the, well, you know, who, 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 who made the first? Okay, America Chavez is a strong, confident, queer, Afro-Boricua? Is it, uh, Boricua. Boricua, with queer biological parents and Afro-Boricua adoptive parents. I do not know who this variant in Doctor Strange is supposed to be, but it's not the character whose stories I've been reading for a decade. Okay, so when people complain that Heimdall was played by a black character, I would like to see you say the same thing. Now, me personally, I don't care that Heimdall was played with... I think Idris Elba is fantastic. They talked about... Many people were like, Idris Elba should play James Bond. I'm like, he'd actually be a really great James he'd Bond. He'd be great. But the problem is these people are acting in bad faith. Correct. They would not say, like, Daniel Craig would be a great, you know, Black Panther. Yep. They would never say that. Nope. Because they don't actually believe what they're saying. They're just racist lunatics. I would do the first half of my career in the theater. And it was very much about like anyone can play any role. Is the idea is like give actors a chance. The best yeah. actor should have the position. Then I got into film and it was a different different mentality. It was more about you want to be as realistic as possible. So if the person's supposed to be an African-American you know, descent, dark skin, and it's not, then it's very confusing, the film. Um, I like how you pointed out, like, when you're portraying real people, it's a very different thing well, than yeah. portraying a comic book character or a, a movie character. And I get the people who don't like it when the, when the actual characters get changed. I get the, the dislike of race swapping, but it just doesn't bother me the same way it bothers other people. Uh, is it, have you found it to be different? What were you going to say? Well, I just love when the left eats itself. I mean, this is such <laughs> a, this is such a cell phone. Look right? at, she's, she's got the LGBTQ uh, this, flag pin on this, her chest this, and she's being canceled. Yeah, this poor actress, Gomez, is, is, is no Right winger, <laughs> you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson is no right winger. This is this is just this is just pathetic. Is Look, you want to? Yeah, you want the one that cast her in that role? Is somebody else? Oh, put there's, her there. a, there's a tweet up there where they said these actors need to be better about not accepting roles. Yes. They're telling you that you need to look at this and say, this opportunity could feed my family or in her age, like just could set me up through college yeah. and I need do, to do pass you, on that because of ideological do you, reasons. Do you remember when just recently Peter Dinklage came out yeah. and said, they're making Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I mean, really think about what that means. And I'm and, and then a whole bunch of uh, uh, actors, little people actors, came out and they were like, you're taking our jobs from us. The Stop doing this. The best roles in a decade. Yeah, in a seven. Decade. 
Disney movie roles opened up for it could little have been people. A what, what, it could have been well, they, I think we found out at later a that minimum, just, at a minimum a hundred thousand dollars each person. Yeah. He yeah. pulled the ladder up behind him. He had a, he's a tremendous career. He's a great actor. He was in big movies. He was in Game of Thrones, and now he's like, stop. The only reason he was cast as uh, Tyrion Lannister is because Lannister uh, Tyrion is a a little is, is it's it's like a is that character in the book. And so they said, we want someone to fill that role. How about we just get a regular guy to play that character? Yep. If we can, if it doesn't matter who plays who, it's all acting. Well, right? what, what, what movie is funnier than Elf? So we, that, that scene in Elf is so good. And, and it just, and it, he was, and he was, he was he hired was for it. Great in it. So I think Ian mentioned this, uh, and we, we, I, I looked it up. I recommend you not look it up, but uh, we were like, Snow White and the Seven yeah. Dudes. It's real. It's, it's real. It's, it's oh, an adult. No. It's not what I thought oh, it was. No. I just thought you could change the name. Oh, you know? I downloaded the wrong Snow Cast White. whoever. <laughs> Girls so, can be dudes, too. When you went, so Disney is talking about changing the story somehow. Because, no, they, yeah. they had already – they'd done that beforehand. So they had already anticipated that this was going to be a problem before they even went into production. They're going to make it seven magical creatures, all CGI. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a bunch like a of unicorn? a large list of people are going to get paid just a lot smaller amounts on the S on the special effects uh, oh, oh. cast list. Yeah. But, but like a unicorn, a dragon, like what do you what is it? What is it? Uh, Snow I, they, White and the Seven Magical well, Creatures. Yes. That's all they know so far. Is like it was never okay. going to be. Is Lord, Lord of the Rings canceled because dwarves does oh, not reference sure. little people? It's a reference to mm. magical creatures like elves. Are we going to complain about elves being too tall? There's dwarf with a big D, which is fine, but it's the little D dwarves that yes, you yeah. can't say because that's yeah. Dwarf uh, uh, Lord of the Rings is grandfathered in. If it was a brand new project, no way. Well, Snow White's then. not grandfathered in. No, it's not <laughs> because it's a new project. Did Look, you, have you ever looked up the thing that's at, like the ginger side, and it's all the redheaded characters that have been removed and oh, replaced yeah. with? Yeah, oh, so it's no. like like that's what's going on right now. Like uh, like what they did with the Little Mermaid, they've recast the Little Mermaid. Uh, so all of these stories are not grandfathered in. You're going to suffer either okay. way. Here's here's what, here's what I'll add to this uh, Sochil Gomez story, America Chavez. She was given the role of a a queer woman of color who's wearing an LGBTQ pin. And now she is being attacked for it. You know what the ramifications of this will be? No one will ever want to play a, a character that represents yep. a marginalized group because nope. it'll damage their career, like Scarlett Johansson, like Sochil Gomez. And you know what? They're doing it to themselves. This means in the future, they're going to be like, we've got a great character for the superhero film who turns out to be a gay guy. I was going to be like, no, I'm not going anywhere near that. Sorry. Whenever, whenever they were uh, releasing Being the Ricardos, which is a fine movie. It's okay. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Javier Bardem playing Desi Arnaz. Yep. And there is this amazing article in uh, The Hollywood Reporter where Aaron Sorkin talks about all of the different folks, the um, diversity coordinators that he brought onto set so that he could get away with casting Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. <laughs> It's incredible. Do you remember what they did to – you mentioned Gina Carano earlier when she had her – when she got fired from Disney. But before they fired her, uh, they tried to do have her do a 40-person struggle session with members of the LGBTQ <laughs> community on a Zoom call. Like she said, she she said, said no to that. She said, "I'll do it in person. I'll talk yeah. to these people one by one in person wow. in an auditorium. I'm not going to be bullied by 40 people on a Zoom call. That's insane." Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Like, uh, what am I going to sit here no and stare way. at my camera but, and be like, Dude. "But the average actor, like you said, she's brave." The average actor is like, "Yeah, you can abuse me for the next hour." That's right. If I, Gina Carano was an MMA fighter, I yeah. yeah, yeah, she's she's uh, uh, she's seen some some yeah. stuff. She's you know not scared. I mean? She's taken a punch in her day, and that that's something to be said. You know, uh, often one of the things I bring up with this. Um, you know, you mentioned people crying about Donald Trump winning the election, and you're like, what is, what is this? 
I'm like, well, look, if uh, um, if you've never been in the sun, you'll get sunburned. So these people are soft little, you know, blobs of, of pink jello. <laughs> and then some other people have dealt with hardship. Someone yeah. like Gina Carano, who's trained and fought and had to deal with injuries and getting punched in the face, is going to shrug off the stupidity of words. I was someone who's grown up in a pastel safe room with padded walls and bean bags all, all, the, all their lives will step outside quivering and shaking. And then when someone says a naughty word, they'll go, <laughs> I'm being attacked. It's violence. A lot of my friends from high school, uh, none of them went into the military really, except for one guy. And I, in the time I was like, please don't. I was so afraid for him because I thought he was going to get hurt and I didn't want it. But now today he's the most aware, like doesn't care about the stupid stuff. He's fully engaged in, in like, what matters because he saw combat once you see combat there's no joke there's you know messing you know, around when, when MMA and the military are both like that if you like when all the stuff happened with Joe Rogan the amount of MMA fighters yeah. that came out in support of him yeah, because they, right. they understand they understand that you cannot just let these people bully you well it's like when you get punched in the face you kind of realize some things don't matter all that much yep. you know you, you when, when you've dealt with real hardship and if Gina hadn't done what she did then there would be 10 other people who came after her and showed courage that never would have been able to do it yeah. had she not had the courage in that moment. And it was the way you encouraged her to do it right away. Absolutely. That Daily Wire interview was like three days later, right? It was, like, it was about a week later, yeah. but it, but it was, it, it was, it was as fast yeah. as we could do it. But the announcement of the movie came literally within 72 hours or even less, 36 hours even. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it we, we, we tend, Gina and I talk a lot, a lot about being the flak jacket, right? Walking out there, talk, coming on shows like this, talking about our, our careers, what we've been through, and taking the bullets and showing courage in many ways. I'm not saying I'm courageous, but I'm saying in, in, in order to give other people courage to come out and come work with us and let their American flag fly. That's I why wanna, I, th I think I'll, humility is so important because yeah. if you can embarrass yourself in front of people, that's Absolutely. courage, man. I want to yeah. bring up this story just because it's it's in the realm of cancel culture and it's hilarious. So <laughs> we have this once again from Bounding into Comics. Pro Tekken player Tanakana dropped from eSports team after saying short men what? don't have human rights. What? Saying um, men under 170 centimeters in height don't deserve human rights. According to a report from Japanese news outlet Jcast, during a stream on February 15th, Tanakana declared that men who are under 170 centimeters, just over five foot five, don't have human rights, adding they should have bone lengthening surgery to compensate for their lack of height. I, uh, I do think there are a lot of people who are deeply offended by that, but, uh, I think it's, it's, it's I hope she's joking because if it is, it's actually a funny joke. But I, but now she's canceled for saying it, right? As a five foot five individual, I'd like just like to say that I'm extremely offended by this, and I think that her cancellation is exactly, yes. uh, she got exactly what she deserved. Uh, and I am not getting bone lengthening surgery unless the government offers to pay for it. So, as so, a six four individual, I do not identify with your, I, your you problems. Can't, you can't understand my lived experience. That's the problem. I, I, yes. Yeah. My, my yeah. height Dallas, privilege. You're, you're, you're an oppressor. Yes. Don't you understand? Oh, and, yeah. And you're oppressing Brett. Yes. See, I don't know when I'm going to finally get my due in the social hierarchy of identity <laughs> yeah. politics, but I think being short means I'm not at the exact bottom as a straight white male, but I'm getting a little bit closer to the top <laughs> by being under 5'6". Now, now, I will say, I think the issue is she was kind of joking, but in a more serious way. Mm. Like, it's one thing if the point of the joke is that you're mocking, like, th there's the stories about Tinder where if a guy's list as height as under six feet, they never get response responses. If you're mocking those people by saying it, and we know you're mocking the idea... It's a funny joke. But if she's actually saying, like, jokingly, 
She does think they deserve human rights, but she's insulting about it. That's kind of a dick move. You know what I mean? Was she like streaming and she just said it to the, her followers while she was streaming? Cause I could see like if you're just gaming and you're like, oh yeah, I hate no, I these people. Story. They should all, die. you know what? Like just joking. Like it just comes out as like a goofy little kid thing, but I don't know. She's basically saying that a guy went to deliver her food and he like muttered and mumbled in front of her house, rang the doorbell, then asked her for a number. And she said, you know, she was scared because he knows where I live. So it's tough. I don't want them to start a fire or something and by acting coldly. He was short, maybe only 165 <clears throat> centimeters, she continued. If he was tall and muscular, I might have given him my contact information. Isn't that amazing? Rough life, man. Yeah, like, rough she, life. She wasn't insulted by being hit on. She was insulted by being hit on by a short guy. Exactly. Now, <laughs> imagine if it was a guy on stream. No, 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 no. Mind you, she's gotten the boot, right? So, hey, at least there's some consistency there. Because I would say if there was a dude and he was saying that, like, a woman delivered his food and she was morbidly obese and, you know, she asked him for his inf- his number and he was like, oh, get out of here. Yeah, he'd be banned instantly. They'd be like, you're fat shaming and all that stuff. I actually think it's funny. I wouldn't have expected her to get any penalty for mocking short dudes like that. I'm actually I mean? surprised this is a story at all. Yeah, yeah I really too. am. That she got booted off her team? Yeah, I- I'm surprised really? that anybody cared. Really? I mean, getting a she pro prob- player getting kicked off a team, I mean, is... She is, probably had a very expensive salary that they needed to get rid of. <laughs> That's true. They yeah, found their reason. They're like, short guys, this really? Is, is that really a reason to get rid of her? They're like, eh, it'll have but to hold do. hold on. This is the secret that people need to understand. When we often hear about cancellations, what we're really hearing about is a company trying to break a contract that they can't break. Yeah, exactly. But they have morality clauses saying, if you shock or offend, we can terminate your contract immediately, and this is what you get. So people people might be like, oh, why why was Gina Carano fired? Maybe it really had nothing to do with it. Yep. Maybe they were just like, we're paying her too much, and we just don't like her. Mm-hmm. We need an excuse for termination. Well, it probably was ideological lines that they wanted to get rid of her. This just gave them the excuse, and it's selectively enforced because Pedro Pascal said stuff that was way worse. Yep. Uh, and he's, of course, he's part of the in-group, so he's allowed to, to exist in that sphere. But they're like, that we need a reason. That guy's creepy. The things he's he's posted and tweeted about, he's like a creepy guy. I I wouldn't have posted anything that any one of them have posted. Yeah. But but the truth is, like, I I, I kind of am a, am a First Amendment absolutist, yeah. right? And so I I think just fire away, right? But I also have thicker skin than most people, yeah. and so you know I'm not offended by it. Uh, I I think I think in the case of Jeff Zucker, and and certainly maybe in this case of this Tekken uh, player, I think this is a money thing. I also she's, like that it's a Tekken player. Yeah, she's Jap- <laughs> you say it was, she's part of a Japanese team. Is that part of the story? I think that was mentioned that she's, I know she said she was Japanese. Um, if that's the case, maybe there's a cultural thing about hating on short guys, cause I think Japanese people <laughs> might be generally shorter. Might no, have a, nothing, yeah, nothing in life is worse than disingenuous morality. That is the worst yeah. thing in the, in the whole universe. You know, I, I, I think there's a, there's a, a big divide when we talk about the multicultural democracy, the, the constitutional republic. I think a core element of it is strength through hardship, strong men, weak men, or women, or whatever. And, you know, you've got a lot of soft people that can't handle the real world. They can't, they, they, it's, they're so dependent. Maybe it's independent versus codependent is another way to look at it. For me, I'm kind of like, you know, if I was working in an industry, in fact, this literally happened, and they were doing things I didn't like, I'd be like, I won't do it. You know, when I worked for Fusion, they, they hire me on, and they say, we're going to be nice vice. We want to be edgy on the ground, do reporting, but we're not going to be as crass and crude and overt with like sex, drugs and rock and roll. And I'm like, yeah, 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 totally get it. Like we can get that, that, that on the ground adventurous vibe, that like cool hip feeling, you know, whatever we're trying to get. 
while still being family friendly, I'm down. And then six months later, they're like, we decided we're going to be woke. And I said, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing. And they were like, then you can, you know, I tried quitting. They offered me more money. And then ultimately I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do it. I don't care about you. I don't care about your company. I would much rather sit in my living room playing video games and fall asleep than deal with whatever it is you think you can offer me. So maybe that's just like antisocial or whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't rely on, on, on them for my confidence or my self-esteem. But I think a big difference between, you know, the two overarching political factions are people who are desperate for recognition and desperate for, um, you know, people to, they, they, they want people to, to think good things about them. And then there are people who are just like, yeah, I literally don't care what you think. I'm going to live my life and be true to myself. In 07, I was doing Hollywood acting and and YouTube. And I started to get – I was like what you were saying. I was seeking the attention I wanted. I was like, when I win an Oscar, I'm going to thank my geometry teacher for the 10th grade. I was really (laughs) excited in my whole life. And then I started doing YouTube videos and I started getting the attention elsewhere. And I realized, okay, it's not all about the attention. It's why are you getting the attention? What are you contributing? And that really changed my perspective on everything after that. I left that industry pretty much. I I, want to change that industry, you know. Well, you you, you, you build out of Nashville and you Correct. make your own. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah it's it's unchangeable. It, it, it's 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 Sodom and Gomorrah at this point, Whoa. right? It's it, it's 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 gone. They fled think, think, think New York. It. I think that's how Hollywood got started. They fled the mob because yeah. the mob was trying to shut them down in New York. All these directors, Texas, like 1910, 20s. I'm really inspired by the Tool song. You know, uh, uh, just you know. Uh, enema is like, you know, uh, learn to swim. Yeah. Flush it all away. It was, <laughs> wind it, up in the bay. It was favorite, it was Arizona Bay, baby. Yeah. I was just thinking Pray, that. Praying for mayhem, yeah, praying for was, tidal waves. In California, the federal government was struggled to enforce tax law. Wow. So it was a lot cheaper and easier to, uh, but I'll give you an example, Ian. You know, when, when people say they want to change the system, it's like you're walking up to, uh, the, the, the Sears Tower in Chicago. I know it's called the Willis Tower. We're from Chicago. We call it the Sears Tower. <laughs> and you're saying, I want this building to be my building. By all means, you can accomplish that with great power and time and dedication. But that's like trying yeah. to move a monolith of such a great structure. Build a new building. Start your own building. And so this, this is the way I see it. Why should I go to Austin? Everyone's like, we're going to go to Austin. And I'm like, it's woke central. Why would I want to go to Austin? No, we're going to get a field in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. And we're going to build our own building. And we're going to build our own thing out here. Because, you know, th- there's also people going to Nashville. I certainly think Nashville is a way better bet than Austin. But even then, I look at it, and I'm just like, I'd be really happy just having my own little free stand that we can start up and we can build on our own because I'm not dependent upon anyone else for what we seek to create. And that's, and that's, and that's, the, that's the plan, man. Yeah, there has to be a, a, a happy medium between infrastructure, right, uh, and, and uh, freedom, right, and the ability to, to sort of do what right. you need. So Nashville, Dallas, a couple of these other cities are, are, are great places for that because you can – you have enough sort of talented people who can help you fight the culture. But remember – Someone has to handle the Instagram account, and someone's got to handle the marketing, and someone's got to cut the trailer. And you got to be close enough to an airport. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I'd be in north, northern Maine yeah. or Wyoming. But uh, legit, we did look at properties in uh, rural Pennsylvania, Maine, Montana, Wyoming, and the big problem with all of it is they actually have really great internet. No joke. Airports. And so yeah. it's like, how do we actually bring people out to the middle of nowhere? Well, it's really difficult. But yeah. with West Virginia, you're close enough to D.C., about an hour. Right. So the airport's right there. So that's something you know that, that ends up working out. Because we got to build an airstrip and a soundstage, <laughs> and we can so the five hundred million dollars soundstage in the in the airport, and then we're set. Yeah, yeah. 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 perfect. Yeah. 
the airstrip like on it. top of the soundstage. <laughs> is that what it was? Oh no, helicopter pad. Helicopter on top pad on top of the soundstage. We got to start investing in helicopters. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Super Chat. So if you haven't already, smash that like button. One honk is one like. And subscribe to the channel. Share the show with your friends. Become a member at TimCast.com to help us grow and expand. We have actually taken pitches for uh, sitcoms and um, you know fiction content. Right now we're doing at TimCast.com. It's mostly just journalism, but we also do have Pop Culture Crisis. Brett, of course, is the host. So make sure you go to Pop Culture Crisis on YouTube and subscribe to that uh, to that show. And Spotify. Uh, I, I really That's do right. like, uh, to me, the we cut them up into segments for the YouTube part, but I, I love the full episode from start to finish. It's about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, and I think you don't get the feel for it. It's a lot more fun if you listen to it well, from start to there's finish. There's stuff that gets cut out from clips yes. that don't make the full episode. What do you do? Like, what do you guys dig into? How do you uh, get it? Imagine, like, what we're doing here. Like, uh, I go through the news. Like, uh, I try to focus more in extreme, like, just, just on entertainment, right? So, uh, less about the politics of it all. Like, we do cover it. Like, you said the other night, you said politics, uh, uh, politics are pop culture. I'm like, right. you screwed me, bro. <laughs> I can't, I can't do both, right? So, uh, we try to cover the, the more ridiculous stories I leave out a lot of the time because I'm like, I don't need to make fun of this story or talk about this story. But like, we do a lot of reviews of movies. We just reviewed Uncharted last night. We talk about, uh, general news. Like, we do a lot of stuff on Kanye West because Kanye West is, uh, one of the most interesting people in the world to cover. I talk movies a lot, uh, everything going on within the industry, uh, bounding into comics, all the stuff on there. Uh, we get everything from there and it's just, it's a lot of fun. We have, I, th- I think, you know, we approach stuff from a political perspective and sometimes drift into pop culture and then you guys start from a pop culture perspective and sometimes drift into like cultural politics. Yes. Uh, whenever we get into it, I try to like, y- you learn over time. We're on like episode 58 right now. You, f- you feel to the point where you're getting too far into it and you're like, the average person isn't going, you know, the the normie, the person who doesn't understand that there is a culture war going on, isn't really going to be enamored with the uh, harder line political takes that I might have on these things. So I try to draw attention to them uh, and bring them up in a way that shares my perspective, but doesn't bludgeon you over the head with what my beliefs are. I don't think that's the importance of it. I'm more likely to call out the stupidity of uh, of projects. My new segment, uh, it's called Who the Hell Asked for This? Uh, well, there any, uh, they're making a Blue's Clues movie, and they said it's going to be like Spider-Man No Way Home. I do ask, what? who the hell asked for this? <laughs> uh, a Gumby movie just got sold. Oh, uh, love Gumby. So, yes, live action Gumby. Pokey so, was my dude. Live action Gumby. Live action Gumby. So I, I so see that like, story. I read, people? I read that article. I'm like, oh, God, this is awesome. I can get 20 minutes out of this. Easy. <laughs> All right. So we're going to – let's get these super chats. Gumby. But again, uh, smash the like button and, and subscribe to Pop Culture Crisis on YouTube. All right. Ken, uh, Key Lloyd says, when can we expect Ben to start doing Stan Lee-style cameo, cameos in the productions? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, first we got to get him to visit set, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if we can get him to visit set, then I will throw him in a movie uh, secretly. You know, maybe he'll be the guy that opens the door or the, the driver of give the, him, know, the actor. Can I get you something you, you to gotta, drink, sir? That obsessed has got to be. Yeah. No, you've you, you got to give him a role he has no business doing. Right. Like, you know, being bodyguard. 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 Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. But like a cameo, yes. you know. Just because people would be like, oh, and it'd be fun. Oh, yeah. He's starting to act in more of the uh, Daily Wire uh, Instagram videos. Cool. So, uh, you know, maybe your wish is going to come true. We got to see the uh, the Daily Wire Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. So you get these movies and then they get connected at the end of like shut in. Someone gets shut in in a school supply yeah. closet. Yeah. Does that yeah. make Gina the – is Gina the Robert Downey Jr.? Of that would be – yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, she is. Yep. But, you know, considering the time gap – 
between you know uh, Terror on the Prairie, I think it's called, right? And then these other films. She's she just very lives, old. She lives forever, so she's at the, at it's the, always at, her in every different no, no. iteration end, of reality. At the end of Terror on the Prairie, she falls into a hole with magic ice and freezes her, and then she wakes <laughs> up in you know nineteen seventy whatever. And yeah, you know. she just plays her great great granddaughter. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Did you guys ever read the Dark Tower Stephen King novels? I mean, doorways that lead you to other real- realms. Is that I saw way? the movie. Movie was fun. Great. All right, let's read some more. We got Just Comply says the RCMP horse trampled an elderly lady and a guy on a scooter tonight. What are these chuckleheads doing? I am ashamed of my government. Mm. Yo, I have seen this stuff. More times than I care to recall. Uh, I was up in Montreal during student protests, and I see the cops were throwing. They have these things. I forgot what they're called, but they're like flashbangs with pepper spray in them. So they bang, and then the whole area like stings. It was a really – I've never seen something like that before. It was kind of weird. But that's at least how it was described to me. And I I was like, is that is that true? And then I read some stuff online about it. Might have just been activists claiming it, but one of these flashbangs went off, and then I walked past it. And it was like walking through a cloud of pepper spray. So look, I've seen peaceful protests on the left, and uh, you've had bad cops. I've seen more than my fair share of riots, though, so I tend to be like, well, you know, look, sometimes these people lose control. Now what we're seeing, though, I think a lot of people on the right are starting to experience that these cops are indiscriminate. They'll they'll trample trample an elderly lady, man. All right, let's uh, let's grab some more super chats. Let's let's get into this. Okay, what is this one? James Rogers says, hey, Tim, how can I determine who is telling the proper narrative on this? I have friends in Canada who call this a national embarrassment and they need to go the F home. But then you tell us the opposite. Who's right? Well, that's just a matter of opinion. If you um, look, I trust Aviva Fry, for instance, because he's like a regular dude. He's an honest guy. And he's got a YouTube channel. He goes down there and he live streams all of this. And I'm like, I think that's an accurate or fair representation for the most part. There's probably some nuances and things you don't see. But a dude that I know and like telling me live walking around is infinitely more trustworthy than the Toronto sun or whatever saying it's a bunch of white supremacists who are stealing phone food from the homeless. That That's insane and not true. And it doesn't even have to be just that bad. It's the stuff where they, where they call it anti-vaxxer protests rather than just saying that it's about mandates, right. which is a much simpler, it slips by people. They don't realize. So the average person who doesn't have a political bias here just says, look at these crazy anti-science people who are protesting science. Trayvon Martin story was a lie. The Michael Brown story was a lie. The 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 guy in Baltimore, I forget his name, that was a lie. George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, lie, lie, lie. Endless Justice Millett, another lie. Then we get the bigger lies. Russia Gate, Ukraine Gate, lie, lie. It just keeps happening. So I just I don't I'm 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 done. You know, I, I still read a lot of these sources and I try and fact check them because there's some stuff you can't get anywhere else. And it's not all bad, but it's too too often the overt po- political stuff and activism is just agenda driven and full of crap. But let's grab some more super chats. People are talking about Ukraine. It's getting pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. I heard the Russians pulled the troops off the border. Is that right? Don't know. They said they just were, they were just been establishing training exercises, and now they pulled back. I don't know what to believe. Okay, let's uh, Turnpike Paladin says, "Hey Dallas, any updates you can share on Breakfast with the Dirt Cult?" <laughs> so there's this great book written by this guy in Oklahoma. Uh, Names uh, Samuel Finlay, and it's this amazing, amazing story of the first insurgency into Afghanistan, you know, go on 15 years ago. And I have shown interest in getting it made, and there is this wild, rabid contingency online that shows up anywhere I go and asks, what's the latest <laughs> with this movie? 
The truth is I want to make it really, really badly. It's a tough movie to make. Uh, it's about a soldier who comes back from the war and falls in love and basically uh, struggles through it as a young man. So it's it's a drama with war elements to it. It's a terrific book. Everyone should go buy it. It's called Breakfast with the Dirt Cult. Cool, cool. All right, let's see what we got here. Mordred says, so I have to give my first super chat to Ian for his consistent natural 20s yesterday. Normally, he just raises my blood pressure, but he absolutely killed it yesterday. Much love, man. You got it, brother. And I think a lot of people should definitely check out yesterday's episode where we had a conversation with Stephen Marsh on the next Civil War. He has what I would describe as an establishment worldview, so there were some arguments, but I think the conversation was absolutely worth listening to, especially if you want to hear uh, opinions you'll disagree with. Uh, I think people should check it out. It wasn't really a news-driven story as we often do with, like, you know, a lead story. It was more of a conversation with uh, someone we, we disagree with uh, about a lot of things, and people certainly in Super Chats had their opinions. It was an example that the, it's not so much about trying to convince information, people of information, more that just that you are able to communicate with people that have different types of information. I think, I think it was both of us recognizing from different points of view that this is inevitable. That, uh, you know, the point I made to him when he said, when, when will Americans realize this conflict is tearing you guys apart and it's going to lead to something worse? And then I said, Do you, you, you're, he's from Canada. And I was like, you like your socialized medicine? Okay, we'll abolish that. Canada will go full private health care. Do we have peace? And he was like, I see your point. Like there, the, you know, our worldview is very much freedom, meritocracy. We're not going to give up civil rights and freedom to people who want to take it away. It's just never going to happen. They can think the same thing, but I'm just going to say it one more time. They live in a cult crackpot worldview. And, you know, his point was, he's like, but they say the same thing about you. And I'm like, I know. And they're wrong because Jesse Smollett was a lie. Michael Brown was a lie. Trayvon Martin was a lie. All Ahmed Arbery was a lie. All of those stories, George Floyd. All Rittenhouse, of it, man. Rittenhouse, another lie. A Black Lives Matter activist was arrested for attempting to assassinate a Jewish Democrat about a week after he posted black nationalist anti-Semitic, uh, you know, support for this organization. He gets bailed out on a hundred thousand dollars. Kyle Rittenhouse goes to prison, goes to jail for a couple months, two million dollars bail, is smeared and demonized in the media. Yo, I'm sick of the lies. One side is very clearly lying. One side just might be wrong sometimes. I think it's anyway. That being said, GoFundMe taken down for Kyle exactly, exactly, exactly. And then you've got you've got to, uh, GoFundMe allowing Antifa to fundraise to literally steal yeah. property mm-hmm. to, to seize a building. But let's read some more. Atherin Zala says Ian rolling a twenty with your tie dye sweater <laughs> looks nice and fluffy. Rolling a one, thinking the queen can put a stop to it up here. She has a figurehead at best. Wow, you might want to you might want to reconsider that statement that the queen is. A figurehead at best. She's the queen of England. Um, but Tim bought me this sweater. Thank you for oh, yes. shutting yeah. it out. I, we went to, uh, we were at the mall and I saw that and I was like, that looks like a sweater Ian would wear. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, Rudy says, Hey, Brett, what do you think of Nintendo Direct? Uh, Miracle would be, our co-host Miracle would be the better person to ask about that. I am a vintage video game collector. I am not a modern day gamer. Oh, vintage gamer. All right. Jason Lindholm says, I did security for Man of Steel and part of Batman versus Superman. The division was apparent then, left versus right. Some of the Cali crew hated being in Illinois. Yeah, well, Illinois is a red state with a blue city in it, mm. as as basically every every one of these states. Minnesota is a lot like that too. Uh, St. Every... Paul and Minneapolis are very blue, and then the rest of the state just kind it's of has. Oh, yeah, Ohio is like that too. Yeah. Northeast Ohio is very blue. There there are no blue states, only blue cities and red yep. states. So it's very much a, a city, like you said, city versus rural is a big right. part of what these. Uh, yeah. Here's a good one. Boof says, good name, by the way. Dallas, do you see masculinity returning to cinema anytime soon? 
If today's young men ever watched a John Milius movie, they would poop themselves and cry. <laughs> well, a few things here. The answer is yes. Uh, we will solve this soon. Uh, strangely, you know, we're, we're only reacting at this point to most of the stuff being written out of Hollywood. So, you know, our first three <laughs> movies with the Daily Wire are female leads fighting back. Um, but that's also because they're cool, yeah. you know. Um, in, in terms of John Milius, uh, his daughter Amanda, who's been on your show, right. uh, is oh, someone, right. as someone I am desperate to get into the director's chair. Uh, oh, I bug her all the time. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fit, we'll get this going. You know, I'd like to recreate. Oh, what are you going to say? Well, I was going to say the last thing is, uh, uh, masculinity, because, you know, the great Breitbart said, uh, politics is downstream of culture. We have to show solid, heroic, masculine energy back in movies again. And we'll get there. I thought it's and, oh, and Matt, but no, no, but and feminine energy. In yeah, fact, that's what I, I'm, absolutely. Mad Max. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Mad. I think feminine energy is missing more than masculine energy. Ab- was, dude, absolutely. We just covered this the other day because Hannah Claire. She said, "Why is everything reboots and why are they all female-led reboots?" And we went. And I found a feminist article of what you know. It's like, where can I find yeah. a take on this that's that you yeah. wouldn't think is the uh, the typical take? And it's talking about how they're not telling female stories; they're telling male stories with feminine with female yeah. characters. Exactly. Uh, so they're essentially erasing the female Correct. experience from these uh, in the new Terminator movie. She denigrates motherhood and turns it on its head and says uh, having kids is basically bad. That everything about femininity, motherhood, uh, the ability, uh, what it means to be a woman in modern age is denigrated in Hollywood in favor of telling much easier, simpler, masculine stories and just inserting females there. And it's it's why it always comes off as inauthentic. It's why it never works. Well, I thought Mad Max nailed it. Thur- uh, Fury Road. Charlize Theron was basically the lead, and she was powerful and almost exuded the masculine energy, except Max was insane. But still, well, you could see his humanity, and but, but, throughout the movie, you see the man come back, and it's like Ian, the power of the woman to no. help the man become masculine was just such a no, no, good, no, no. good dichotomy. Mad Max Fury Road is a woman in a man's role. Mm. I don't think... No, all, Max is still Max. He's just lost no, 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 his no, no, mind, Ian, so she helps you, him. You don't understand... Uh, uh, the, the masculine role of going to war, going to combat, yes. risking their lives to, to save the day—that's that's the masculine archetype. There is Fury is 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 not a feminine archetype. It but is just a, it is it is a role written for a man with a woman. But cast it's, I think it's like if a woman in a post-apocalyptic situation found her man incapable of protecting himself, she would become Fury. She would become that woman, and that so was what was so cool me about she would it. Is the, the story is femininity gets sacrificed when there's not a strong masculine presence. And then, but then you can see the femininity in Max, like the the the. the, the like the growth and the, the so? child, like so? no, no. I, I, th- I think uh, I, I'm, I'm with Tim on this. Uh, uh, I think Mad Max Fury Road. While it's a such a fun movie to watch, I think the story itself, the plot, is 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 not aging very well. Mm-hmm. And we got a uh, we got an amazing article written about us uh, a couple of days ago from a guy named John Simley. <laughs> just awesome. We were all just so enjoying it. It's a total hit piece, but we love that kind of stuff. So we're reading this article, just quoting lines from it to each other and everything like that. And it's just amazing. And, and in it, he was so angry that there was religious iconography, that there was, uh, femininity, things like that. And, 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 you know, that we, you know, it, it just, it, it's a blast, right? We're going to keep doing this and solve these things. Remember, we're just getting started, right? I, we should I, do something about I, Islam and Christianity and like bringing them together. Oh. I, I thought Wonder Woman was actually uh, really great. I wouldn't go as far to say that um, Wonder Woman was an overtly feminine role because she's still in war with her shield. 
But there was there was something more motherly about her perspective on war and ending it versus it was, it was the idealism versus the realism. And we, her and Chris Pine having the argument about how to stop war from happening. She was overtly idealistic. We end the God of War and it's done. And he's like, no, sometimes people fight. I really, really enjoyed that. But in terms of actually getting femininity right, I think the issue is Hollywood keeps saying, we're going to we're going to make a, a strong female character. So write Rambo, but make it a woman. It's like, yeah, but that that's no, it's Rambo's mom. Well, because it's Rambo. Well, well, we did Rambo. we we did Rambo. Rambo. We we did Rambo adjacent yeah. uh, as a woman. Uh, in some ways, in Run Hide Fight, yeah. we did everything they asked us to do, and we got attacked for it. Mm. I love the movie. It's it's uh it's it's uh it's a great movie, but but we followed the rules and still got right. attacked. Let, let me let me read the super chat here. We got expedition. Says Dallas, I'm a great first AD with good credits and have directed episodic. I left Hollywood because of my beliefs. Want to use my talents and skills outside the system for outlets like Daily Wire. Any ideas of how I can connect? Absolutely. The easiest way to get to me is DM me on Bonfire Legend Instagram, at Bonfire Legend. So I'm not available anywhere else. I'm certainly not on the hellscape of Twitter. <laughs> uh, I, I'm too I'm too young for Facebook. Uh, and keep, keep an eye out for Expedition Pangea. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you'll get inundated, but they were the ones who made the request. Oh, good. So. Great. I, yeah. I do want to, before we go on, point out that if, if they're looking for a series that does have a good amount of masculinity in it, uh, go check out Reacher on Amazon Prime. Uh, Ooh, excellent. That was a good one. Excellent. Yeah. I, I, I was like, when we did that, when we covered the show, I'm like, okay, guys. I'm gonna fanboy for about 25 minutes here, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to like settle in while I just sing this this show's praises for about 25 minutes. And that dude is allowed to be both hyper masculine, extremely smart. Uh, he even gets the woman in the show, which is almost like a no no in in today's day and age. Uh, and the woman, ca- the female character, is both strong but also allowed to be feminine uh, and act. She protects the children. Later on at the end of the show, it's, it almost is the per, in current year, as close to perfect as you can get I, to do that type of character. I thought the show was fantastic. Fantastic. Does the yeah. guy have a flaw? Uh, you gotta give a, a gigantic flaw to the hero if you want well, it to be super powerful. He, he does. Yeah, uh, Kryptonite. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, he, is he he's, racist? He's actually, a, he's uh. actually, um, I would say that, I don't want to spoil anything, but I would say he's short, he's, he's, uh, um, Five five. <laughs> no, no, he's six. He's, I'm, I'm kidding. His character is six five, <laughs> but I would say for Reacher, he is all of these really great things. But um, he takes uh, um, what's the right way to describe it? His uh, uh, like honor more is more important than his success. Oh, okay, pride. Pride is a big problem. So, so I don't want to spoil too much, but he's more interested in killing those who've wronged them than solving the case. Vigilante, yeah, it's dangerous. Uh, it's, also, it's not. No, it's not vigilante. It's like. You know, we Vendetta. need, we need He's to, got, no, no, oh, just slow down. Thanks, Tim. We need to capture this guy to learn who controls the system. And he goes, no, bang, and kills him. So oh, he's, he's so more, he has no patience. It's, it's, he's more interested in, in, in slight, in, in retribution than Roth. he is in solving yeah. the case. He even, like, there's early on in the show, he shoots two dudes in the back and, and she's like, these are exit wounds in the front. <laughs> and he's like, they would have killed me. Oh, well, like, it's very morally gray. Uh, right. But the best part about the character is, in fact, he is almost Sherlock Holmes-ish in the way he describes when he it's when amazing. he solves uh, a crime. This ca- that character in modern day at his size, and this dude is enormous. Alan Richardson is either going to be allowed to be hyper masculine, 
big hyper masculine or he's going to allow it to be smart. He can't be both. I, and they let the dude be both. And that was incredible. I thought Sherlock, his, uh, he's a heroin addict, which <laughs> I thought made such a great, that was his big flaw was he's a drug addict, but it makes the character like when he succeeds, you're so happy for him because he overcame his problem. The character's a bit of a loner. I, I don't know if you consider that a flaw, but he definitely uh, has like attachment issues, and it's played as like a part of his character to be very much uh, separate from society. He's traveling his own road, and that plays a part of the uh, of the character. I don't know if it's necessarily a flaw, but it's definitely an element of who he is. So let me, let me read this one. Murph says, "Dallas, could there ever be a silent movie? I've been thinking about how you could make a movie work with no dialogue. It probably couldn't work, but it would be a challenge." There's an obvious answer to this. But did you want to address it first? I would say a silent movie in in many ways, you know, I made Bone Tomahawk and it had, I think, two minutes of score, right? And most wow. of the time people weren't talking or, or, or in some of the scenes it was very quiet. So that, that's, that's a, that's a, a version of how far it could go. Um, I would say that a silent movie could work if it was experimental and you found some way for it to still be appealing to well, a commercial audience in a modern era. There's, there's, Two really simple answers. I mean, um, we had we just had that movie. I thought it was terrible. Where you, you can't make a sound. What is it with the oh, Quiet yeah. Place? Quiet, Quiet Place, place yeah. which was very little dialogue. And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen it in a while. But Apocalypto, yeah, there's almost no dialogue. Certainly, I, I think there's literally no dialogue in Apocalypto, right? Or it's, no, yeah, they're they're speaking in 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 their native language, but but it, there's very not, little. There's very little. Yeah, um, but a Quiet Place. You know, I got bored by that. I didn't like it. I, it's just it was too quiet. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, there's I'm not joking. We no, no, no. That should have been your view. It's mentally painful. So there's a there's a room. It's the, they, they call it the quietest yes. room in the world. Ooh, and when they say, I think the record for sitting in it is 45 minutes. So you'd have to watch the movie in that room no, to no, really no, no. get the full effect. When you go into this quiet room, it's got uh, these spikes that come out of the walls. It absorbs almost all sound. It's physically and it's like mentally painful for you to be in a room with no sound. Wow. And I'll tell you this. I've been in soundproof rooms. We have a sound booth where like all the sound absorbing stuff on the wall. I've built soundproof rooms for recording. I cannot stand sitting in, in soundproof rooms because what happens is what you don't realize. One thing that really becomes apparent when you talk in a room, you don't realize you are hearing an echo because the wall, the sound bounces right. off the walls. Right. When you go into a fully soundproof room, it's a weird feeling. You'll talk and then the sound erases the moment it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's sharp almost. No, I would call it dull. I, I, I think I it was like it, it feels like I've got giant gym mats smashing my head. Inside, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, and I'm just like, Bleh. couldn't imagine going into that world's quietest room, you know? All right, let's see what we got here. Arturo says, the thing about Batman villains is that the conflict they create is not just violence, it's psychological. Each time, uh, each of them is a study in human psychosis. Oh, that was, thanks. Your, your, your plug is rubbing on your headphones, I oh. think. Thanks, Tim. Or I don't know what that is actually. There's a buzz happening. I think it's your power, your 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 power cable. Okay. It's his hoodie. Yeah, it's all this hot static electricity. Yeah. So uh, Batman villains is not just violence; it's psychological. Each of them is a study in human psychosis. The Rogues Gallery of Batman. It is. It's really great. Paul Dano as the Riddler is probably the part I'm most excited about. Really, it's Paul Dano. Uh, yeah. Oh. I'm and very. Colin Farrell as Penguin. <laughs> no. Yes. What? In basically what? full body suit makeup. Um, really? Yep. And they're doing a, a they're getting, giving him his own show too on on HBO Max to do beforehand. I'm sure he, yeah, they're going to do a Penguin spinoff with him. Yo, 
probably so he doesn't have to wear the suit the whole time. It'll be a prequel where he's just Oswald Cobblepot. So. Body positivity. Yep. Uh, John Cena was fantastic in the, Peacemaker. The best part. Miracle, Miracle can't stand John Cena. I'm like, this, he was designed, he was so literally good. built for this role. It's fantastic. Uh, and James Gunn was, des- like, he's designed for James Gunn t- style of writing, which blends, uh, very heartfelt, meaningful moments with really crude and over the top humor. And he blends it together so perfectly that John Cena was the absolute perfect casting. I, I think role. the um, Fast and Furious cinematic universe is the best cinematic universe. And, I, <laughs> and, and John Cena in the latest film, I was kind of like, you know, take it or leave him. But uh, So I was kind of like, eh, John Cena. But Peacemaker, I watched, and I'm like, he nails it. Yep. it is, Peacemaker is a fun show. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job. And, you know, I just absolutely love the end. When I was like, oh, it's the Democratic establishment that are the evil villains. I'm like, okay, you've won me over with your politics. I'm half kidding. But I, I, at first I started to roll my eyes when they started to like, yeah. you know, monologue. I told you about but, the line at the end, like at the end where I'm like, proto-fascist. Yeah, 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 yeah. No spoilers. No, that's not a spoiler. It's just yes, the line that she says. Ah, yeah, it's a spoiler. Okay. Don't say it. All right. That's, I'm, that's, I'm, that's like a key line at the end of the film. So this is like a p- <laughs> political movie sewing division uh, no. by John Cena, the CCP guy? No. Chill? Is that <laughs> yeah, what no, 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 for sure. Like uh, John Cena coming out and you know doing that China bit, not 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 good, not a fan. And then we're like, and then they call it. Pe- let's just put this peacemaker. Everything's fine, guys. Let's no, just- no, no. Peacemaker is a violent, murderous yeah. psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that, that works. the character. He was like, I will kill anyone for peace. That's cool. He's insane. So he's like a. But, a, a but I cherish Punisher. peace with all my heart, and I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill to get it. That's right. And I love when he's with vigilante, <laughs> and they're talking about how they have to kill. How they used to kill people, and it's like sometimes you got to kill a murderer or a you know, graffiti artist, jaywalker. Jaywalkers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just insane people. Yeah, they're not; they're villains. It's funny though. All the characters in the show are, are insanely uh, over the top bad, and that's the best part of it. Except for Adebayo, who who plays basically the straight man to the rest of the characters. She's yeah. looking at all these people, and she's like, "What the hell is going on? Who are these people?" I love it. Yep. All right, let's see. What do we got here? Let's uh, read this one. Agent Juice Cartoon says, Dallas Sanye, I admire you helping create a viable parallel Hollywood. I want to do the same for animation. I know you do live action, but any way to reach out to you or your studio, even if only for advice? I would say uh, absolutely reach out to me. The Daily Wire is so pumped about doing animation, right? They've got a couple of projects in the works, a lot of conversation, a lot of, of, of financial resources being put forth to this. So please reach out to me. I'll, I'll hook you up with that. We're, we're actually working on a couple video games, actually. It's, it's hard to get going because we're not a video game company. But um, we, we have uh, had for a while a, a, a playable, I guess you'd call it an alpha. And uh, it's, it's a, I don't want to give away too much, but I did post on Instagram like almost a year ago. It's based on Freedom Tunes animation. And I don't, I don't think we've said too much about what the, what the plan is, but it's going to be like a roguelike combat game. And so the goal is to... I'll just say this: the game mocks far left extremists, and so as it, they deserve, it's it's cartoon violence, so nothing over the top, but it mocks it mocks political extremists in general, and that's kind of the idea. We want people to play games and and make fun of the the crazies and the idiots and not want to be a part of that. So we're working on stuff like that too. I get, uh, I've read a lot that Pixar animators are leaving because of uh, basically Disney giving uh, preference to their animation studio over Pixar. Yeah, you're a guy who's been there for you know fifteen twenty years, and and you're expecting to get your turn. And at, they're not the getting theater chair. releases no. for any of that stuff. They're putting all the Pixar stuff straight to Disney Plus, while Disney animation movies go to the theaters. Are those uh, creators leaving? And I know a lot of them are creating their own projects outside there. 
Uh, is there a possibility of those animators coming over and working yeah, with you guys? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, animation is a new space for all of yeah. us. We're, we're, we've been live action guys for so long, but yeah. it's, it, but it, it's an important space, especially. Uh, because it, it, it can be comedic, it can be for uh, younger audiences, all kinds of and stuff. And it tends to get less scrutiny from the mainstream. Like I've noticed, like d- you uh, can get away with more. DC a- DC animated movies are always far superior to yes. DC uh, live action movies because they're allowed to be. Le- they don't have to take as many liberties with the source material. They can stay uh, true to what the actual story was supposed to be, and it gives because of the the reduced scrutiny. Yo, they're allowed to let, create what they want. Yeah, let me just point about out your actor being the right color. Constantine is an incredible character, and the Constantine film, I liked it, but they missed so much. Yeah. Constantine in, in the Justice League Dark films in, as a character in the comics is, is awesome. The, the Keanu Reeves version is not nearly as awesome. Now, as its own universe, I thought it was a great movie, yeah. but it's just not Constantine. You know what I mean? Thought- Matt Ryan does the live action role well on TV, but yeah. he's not, he's not a movie. They wouldn't cast a TV actor to play that in a film at this point right well, now. They would want a bigger name. It, but it, Daredevil. Uh, I, I love, uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the exception. That cameo. And he also said that he wants to do that character for, like, the rest of his life. Like, he's like, I'd, I'd do, like, ten more years of this if he can. So well, hopefully they'll, not that I have any faith that Disney will be able to recapture the magic of Netflix, uh, Daredevil. That cameo was fantastic yep. in No Way Home. He's like, how did you do that? I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> I, I will, I will say this out loud so we can start to manifest it, but how crazy would Hollywood go if Tim Pool and the Daily Wire collaborated on a movie together? Be great. I mean, I I'm down. I don't know. What, what can we do? A, animation, live action, comedy, drama. I don't care. We've got to figure it out because that would melt their faces. It would be cool. I, I would if, be honored. It would be an honor and a privilege. Daily Wire spun up a master class on how to Act, how to act, how to how to basically tech because there's a lot of people I think want to come do this right now. Yeah, and if they understand, the I, tech I, a little I, have bit a, I have a tiny version of it happening right now. I call it Bonfire State University. Nice, and we bring about ten people to all of our movie sets, and we put them in new roles, and they're very young and they're very hungry and they're they're excited to learn. So they get to see, and they get to see. Me and Gina Carano and our directors, Michael Polish. How normal people are. Well, it's like, yeah, that, that, but also like how to conduct yourself on set. Like that is a, that is a skill and, I'll tell and, you. and takes yeah, time. Sit around so and we're, wait. We're really, hurry work, up and wait. We're really working wait. on it. Yeah. Daily Wire needs to fund a like 2000 episode anime series. <laughs> so just like yeah. Dragon Ball, take it one piece, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually half kidding. I don't, I don't expect the Daily Wire to fund anime, but I think there's a lot of that. There's like the 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 anime right meme. You got to oh. do it. Oh, a thing where a guy can go inside his own body and then he has to fight the stuff in his own body to fix his body if he gets hurt. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. The awesome. treatment, like Inception. Come on, come on. I I I think that's been done in many ways, but more as a subplot. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a subplot. It'd be like inner, his power, inner space. Buy the rights to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And get Rick Moranis. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was written by Stuart Gordon, the great horror horror director. Well, I would, I would, uh, I would love to do a movie. We're not. I don't know what we would or could do. You know, you tell me, and we're 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 game for whatever. So sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. We got to do sci-fi. It is the number one thing we are not doing right now that we have to do. Star Trek: The Next Generation is my all-time favorite show. There was a period where I was like referencing it nonstop. Then I started watching Stargate SG (laughs) One, which is also an amazing show. Um, Star Trek, man, the next generation was, I've got was awesome ideas. Incredible. Have you ever heard of a charged black hole? Cause you're about to, baby. It's a real thing. <laughs> Let's use it for teleport. Let's, dude. My, We're gonna be my, warping around on. the galaxy. My idea for everybody listening was, 
a movie like, you know, Harold and Kumar or Dude, Where's My Car? But it's about Ian <laughs> trying to get to a graphene conference and then, you know, be a spaceship. No, and, well, and no, no, my, it's, it's gotta be, sweater. it's gotta be normal <laughs> to make, to make those jokes. So like, you know, Ian gets an invitation in the mail and it's like, you're hereby invited to the, the latest revelation in graphene technology. And then he goes on wacky shenanigan adventures trying to get there. Slips on a banana peel. Yeah, Literally, stuff like that. we can make that happen. Falls on the stairs Whoa. and then like, you know, and then gets picked up by the mafia and they think he's the delivery guy, but he's like, I'm just trying to get to the graphene conference. Like, is that a code word for something? <laughs> and they like threaten him and he's like, ah, and then, you know, it, 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 finally he makes it there and, you know, somehow he's now the CEO of a company. He's a millionaire and he's on a jet pack and he's like, my life's crazy and graphene, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's my plan. That's my idea. I'm actually I'm starring kidding. Ian as I Ian. I think you could course, do it. Yes. All right, everybody. I'm just trying to so find we're gonna, the graphene, we, man. We, we're going to have it's a conversation be about what movie we can do. But uh, in the meantime, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, become a member at TimCast.com to help support all of our work. Check out the Daily Wire's films. I'm really excited. When I heard the Daily Wire was getting into movies, I was like, it's exactly what we need. You can follow us at TimCast IRL on Instagram or anywhere else. You can follow me at TimCast. Dallas, you want to shout out anything specifically? Yeah, uh, you can find our new movie Shut In uh, at Daily Wire on their app or at shutin.com. Uh, I just have to say this. Uh, what Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring and all of the guys over at Daily Wire are doing is so important and giving me uh, uh, the opportunity to make these great movies for us to help Gina Carano and folks like her continue to make movies outside the system. It's really, really, really special. Uh, I can say that there's a lot of love for uh, Tim Cast over there and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I think uh, folks who, who are uh, sort of pushing back on the left's narrative, the more we can do together, get in touch with each other, uh, that's great. This is gonna, this is gonna be so big and just understand like we are killing ourselves to make great movies. And I tell you, Terror on the Prairie, the Gina Carano movie is one of the best movies I've ever made. I, I just gotta issue a correction. Uh, no, no love. No, no love. No, no. Pure jealousy. Just <laughs> yeah. envy. I look at what the Daily Wire is doing and I'm like, man, I'm we gotta there. step our game up. We gotta, we gotta get on this movies, shows and all that stuff. No, but I, but I kid. I'm a big fan of everything they're they're accomplishing and they're and they're and they're working on. And I gotta admit, I absolutely am jealous of how they're they're doing movies. I'm like, man, I want to do the same thing. So we can build culture and we can challenge the BS and build parallel systems and have our own spaces. So so absolutely amazing stuff. Brett, you want to shout out? Yes, guys, uh, you can follow me at Brett Dasovic on Instagram. But more importantly, go follow Pop Culture Crisis on YouTube. Like the channel, please. We appreciate that. Uh, subscribe to the channel. But also follow us on Spotify. It's also on Amazon Music, on Apple Podcasts, and on Pandora. And we do episodes Monday through Friday. Me and Miracle Sam. Follow us over there. And I will say, you can follow me at iancrossland.net. Um, and keep in mind, thing, one of the wonderful things about the entertainment industry is that it's very cohesive. There is competition to get into the industry, but once you're there and you're working on a project, the, the, the better you make everyone around you look and do, the more that you're going to end up working in that industry. It's very, it's a very team-based uh, orientation. And, and so it's very, very easy to do once you get into it. Come join us. Get involved. I'll see you later. Thank you all, guys, all very much for joining us. Oh, I adjusted my camera a little too far up. I got a tall guy over there. I was getting tough his head. Okay, there we go. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining us very much. I know the news has been getting a little dark lately, so it was really, really fun to be able to talk about some slightly other things, and the culture is so important. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, and I really enjoy what Brett and Miracle are doing over on Pop Culture Crisis. You guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah Patch Lights. 
You can check out us at youtube.com slash cast castle because we oh, don't yeah. do the shows on the weekend, but cast castle is every day. And that's our vlog and shenanigans and joke channel where we have a lot of fun. So subscribe there. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all next time. Bye guys.